Hey, honeys, I have something exclusive to tell you. You can hear episodes of my show and 30 others, Harmontown, Drinky Fun Time, Dumpable Town, before anyone else on TuneIn First Play. Lucky you. You can listen right now on the TuneIn app. Play Nashville a week early. You're like living in a time machine, baby. So why don't you check it out? All you have to do is download the TuneIn app and listen for free. This is like being a podcast VIP. Don't forget, they also have live sports, news, music, audiobooks. It's enabled in Apple CarPlay, so I think you should check it out. All you have to do is go to tunein.com slash NatchBute. Tune in, baby. Feral Audio. Hey, uh, hey, 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 no, no, I'm part of this. Hey, uh, hey, good morning, um, no, hey, uh, hey, <laughs> hey, uh, oh, oh, hey, oh, oh, hey, it's Johnny Pemberton, oh, hey, it's Johnny Pemberton, you're listening to Twisting the Wind right now, oh, hey, oh, hey, is it, is it you? I'm sorry, I didn't know you were- Oh, well, I guess you're, uh, I guess you're here now, um, on Twisting the Wind. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thanks for coming. We, we were told it might get loud. We didn't know if we should bring Jonathan or not. He, he doesn't like things like this that much, you know? He just, well, he's still a kid. Well, he's gonna, well, he'll, he'll grow out of it. <laughs> he'll grow out of it. Do you really fucking think he's gonna stop? He's gonna cool out a little bit? I don't fucking know about it. I think he's gonna die this way. Oh no, I... Uh, I think Jonathan will be okay. Welcome to Twisting the Wind, everybody. This is your host. This is... This, I am your host. This is your host. Should I introduce my goddamn self around here? Okay. I guess I'll introduce my goddamn self around here. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming to Twisting the Wind. Ooh, holy goddamn yes! Thank you for being here on Twisting the Wind, the only radio, non-radio program that's like a radio program that's not on the radio that sounds like this and is called this by this person right here, right now, today, okay? That's how it works. We're in the moment, on the moment, all around the moment, up inside the moment, giving the moment a fucking blowjob, okay? That's what we're doing here today. We're taking the moment and we're giving it a fucking beach, boys. <laughs> we're taking that dock out called the moment and we're gonna just slob it like a freaking wet boy duck you know what i mean one of those wet boy ducks one of those kind that's got like wow i thought you think that a that a beak made of keratin protein that comprises the mouth of a duck would would not create so much saliva because it doesn't have a mouth of like a of a mammal but this is a wet duck okay thanks for coming into the wet duck aka shack my freaking duck aka shack duck aka hands on the branch aka the executive buffet here 
Twisting the Wind with Johnny Pemberton. I was going to make it sound like this. I was going to make it sound like... With Johnny Pemberton. You know, like someone else, but that's me. Hey, thanks for being here. Uh, I really mean that. I really do. Uh, thanks for listening. You know, this has been pod, this pod has been podding for a good amount of time now. And I, I've really, uh, I've really run the bandwidth of emotions as far, as far as, uh, how I feel about it and, uh, how enthusiastic I am about it and just all kinds of things. But, but it never ceases to amaze me. The cool people who contact me and just uh, people who are fans on Twitter, who which is just Twitter uh, at Johnny at Johnny Pemberton, uh, people who will say interesting, funny things to me, and everything is just I'm just uh, I'm surprised. I guess I'm not surprised, but I'm surprised. You know, you should never be surprised by good things, should you? You shouldn't be. But maybe, you know, you should be a little bit surprised, but maybe not too surprised. You should be, oh, that's, that's sweet. Maybe you didn't see it coming out of nowhere, but it's also like, wow, that is, uh, that's something nice, you know. Uh, thank you for reviewing the podcast and rating it. Those are all outstanding. Those help, those help like, you know, you ever build a fire? You know how that thing where you got to blow into the fire? To, to get the embers hot if you're either redoing one that's already happened or if you're like uh, starting it from scratch uh, I prefer to start my fires from scratch what aren't I allowed to scratch that's a quote that means nothing to anybody but it's still funny right I guess I'm like chubby lady in Tampa Bay saying what aren't I allowed to scratch when she's scratching herself but that the, those ratings and reviews and subscriptions please subscribe to the podcast I was gonna say I was gonna say fucking but I think that's I don't know I want to say that but I didn't say it so it doesn't matter here we are Back in the moment. Yeah, please subscribe. If you do anything, if you do anything at all, subscribe. Get your friends to subscribe. Subscribe. Uh, hijack your dad's iPod and have him subscribe. Help him follow someone on Twitter. You know, that's a big thing I see a lot of brunch places these days is uh, younger people helping older people know who to follow on Twitter. It's a real fun thing. Oh, am I following this guy? I don't know. Um, uh, oh, is this my, which account is mine? Oh, I got three Twitter accounts. Okay, I guess I'll follow myself. Mm. That happens at brunch places. Brunch, man, isn't that a fucking experience? God, I'm so glad I always, I'm so glad I've, ain't, <laughs> this is a, I'm getting a sidetracked as usual. That's what happens all the time. Like, do, do I ever not get sidetracked? What, what isn't sidetracked? You know, who, who's, who's staying on the fucking point? I feel like people who are really staying on the point are not that interesting. Or at least the point is probably not that interesting, unless it's, I think distraction is pretty great. I worked in the garden about five hours yesterday, and I knew it was time to go home because I was getting, I couldn't even figure out what to fucking do. It's just because I was so tired, but that's the thing. It's like, it's just, I'm running around like a fucking lunatic half the time. Like, I'll do all this, I'll do this. Oh, pick a little strawberry, eat this strawberry. When? I need to, I need to find a focus in a little, just a little bit. Just a little bit, maybe not a lot, but that goes back to what I was saying. My point is distraction is everywhere. 
And it's kind of nice to and just indulge it sometimes, especially in the garden, especially in the wilderness. Ooh, that feels good to just indulge that indulge that distraction, or even like listening to music, which is this this is a music themed episode, a very special music themed episode that's been a long time and coming. Uh, you know, indulge it, flip around a little bit. That's how fun. That's how fun good things happen is by spontaneous uh, spontaneous correlation. You know. Like, like when, uh, like when, um, like, like DJing, people who are DJs, I'm talking about the real DJs, not this fucking Serato crap. Fuck Serato, man. You're not that you're not a real DJ if you use Serato, but it's just, I don't know how you can, because when I like to play records, although it's also known as DJing, but I don't like to say DJing because that's, that's that word. I like to play records. It's a thing where it's like a, it's like a, you're like creating this little pathway. And sometimes when you put this one little stepping stone down, like, oh, it reminds you of this other stepping stone you wouldn't have normally thought about if you were just sort of constructing this from building a set out of the moment, like pre, like making it beforehand. I think a lot of things are that way where it's, it's nice to kind of just have a plan, but not, but the plan is also, you don't have to stick to that plan. That was a fun thing he just said. <laughs> I think I basically just said prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Yeah, I think that's basically it. Either way, uh, that goes back to just being distracted and about going back to me reminding everyone to subscribe and to get other people to subscribe and to uh, spread the word. If you love it, you love it. If you do it, you do it. If you want to take a dip in the Delta Dream, then hot step it like a fucking Kamozi boy, okay? Thanks for your ratings and <laughs> reviews. Uh, the email is twistingthewind at gmail.com. That's twistingthewind at gmail.com. That's twistingthewind at gmail.com. Hey, that was me doing that the entire time. Did you know that? Ooh, I get saliva from that. Ooh, I get saliva. I get saliva when I see you, girl. You heard that R&B track from, uh, that's a lesser R&B track from the 90s. Ooh, I get saliva. I get saliva when I see you, girl. I get saliva. You know what? This is actually what it was. It was actually a commercial for this uh, company that makes grills. Ooh, I get saliva when I see you grill. <laughs> you get it? I hear that sizzle. I get that drizzle. My, my <laughs> oh, I think I just got a good song there. I get <laughs> <laughs> I get that drizzle when I hear that sizzle. Ooh, I get to laugh up when I hear you grill. Putting those, but put the butter on the burger bun and toast it on the grill. <laughs> Ooh, grill. I love it when you toast the grill, grill, grill. Ooh, grill. <laughs> I don't know why that's so fucking funny to me, the idea of saying grill instead of girl, but it actually being about a grill. Man, grilling's fun, huh, yo? Hey, what's up? Grilling's fun, right? You ever done grilling? Yeah, you know, it's like cooking in the kitchen, but don't be the same because you're outside and you can fuck around. <laughs> fuck around. Fuck around. I don't care who no no hear me. <gasps> fuck around. They're all disturbed out there now. But this is Twisting the Wind. This is a day 
of the week. It's... <laughs> I almost said it's all good. But I, I don't know why I even said that. It's like a reflex. Okay. okay. No, 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 no. I almost fucking forgot. <sighs> I got bit by a bee again. I got stung bit by a GDB again. And the exact same place as before. I'm talking about the... No, not the same place in my body. The exact same physical location. Standing in front of the compost bin, chopping up uh, some fennel that fucking uh, Roberto decided to pull out, even though it was perfectly good. You know, it's nice and big. If you don't know, if I don't know if you know about fennel. Fennel um, is a beautiful, beautiful plant. But it, uh, it sprouts up when it flowers. It creates these like cool, like flat... I don't know how to describe it, but they're really, they're fucking rat. They're these big old, beautiful flowers. They're like a little, <laughs> I just tried to describe, describe it and I gave up and I tried to tr- describe it again. Either way, look it up. They're, it's a really cool looking plant. Big ass fucking fennel plant growing right by the beehive. Mind you, this is the, uh, I don't even know where to start. We got a new beehive. The bees in the garden left for the sec- second or third time they like they move on they like leave because they don't like the area i don't really know that much about bees i just know that these bees didn't stick around okay they didn't fucking stick around and so you know let's 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 keep trying here it's like we're trying it's like some people trying to have a kid or something we're, we're still trying we're still trying i don't think the bees want to be there the, the something about this garden, this community garden where I garden, I'm the compost captain. The bees don't want to be there. They just they're not settling in for whatever reason. And even though there's tons of good stuff for them, and even though we had shitloads of bees there before we had our on-site beehive, because bees uh, travel to where they want their stuff, aka flowers. So we get this third, we got this new beehive in there, and of course, what happens is these new beehives, they are testy. They are fucking testy. So it takes them like a good two and a half weeks to cool down and be like okay with other people being in their space. Otherwise, they'll just fly off the fucking handle and sting you. And it's been about a week and a half at this point with this new hive. And I can, their their numbers seem to be dwindling. Honestly, they seem to be fucking dwindling. But I don't know. Because I'm not, I'm not seeing them. They're not going crazy like these other bees did. They're like, it's a fucking nut, nut house, you know, just back and forth everywhere. The air is thick with. Meow, 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 meow. <laughs> oh man, that should be the international sound for bees. Meow, 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 meow. But either way, Roberto goes back there. Great guy, really good guy, stout, strong. Help me carry carry these hay bales over to the house. Not his English is not very good, but that's okay. You know, my Spanish is worse than his English. Either way, he's back there like a like a real real brave guy, going back there and cleaning out the butterfly garden, getting all the uh, all the uh, detritus, all the old dead plants out of there. And there's this I planted this fennel from seed uh, a while ago, and it's grown up. It's about four feet tall now. It's this big fucking massive hulking fennel plant. And it is red. It's been there forever. It's been sitting right back there where the bees are. And he fucking rips it out of the goddamn ground for some reason. I mean, I guess, I don't know why. You know, that's the thing about working in a community garden is that 
people all the time are just, they do stuff that doesn't make sense to you. And I'm sure you're doing the same thing that doesn't make sense to them. Like, why would you, why would you fucking do that to that plant? Or why would you, why would you pull that up? That's not a weed. Obviously that's not a fucking weed or, ugh. But so he did that, and I wasn't like pissed off because this fennel plant it had had its day. It had been like it had survived three bee invasions. The bees probably loved it because it's like right outside their fucking door, and it's this awesome pollen source. But I don't know if they even used it. But either way, it's right there. So he ripped it out. I'm like, oh well, fuck. Okay, I guess I'll chop this thing up and put it in the compost pile, and maybe I'll seed some new fennel. You know, we'll get some new fennel out there. I'm chopping this. I got my nice. I got my nice Kershaw machete. I'll put a link to it on the website. Everyone should have one of these machetes. Uh, there's. I'm not kidding. Like I'm not. Machetes are fucking awesome. There's something about a machete that I just. They're the best. I fucking love having a machete. Oh my god, I do. I want to have a machete expert in the podcast. If anyone knows a machete expert, a guy who makes machetes, I want to talk about machetes. I just. It's like nothing feels better. Nothing feels more like a. Um, like a, like an actual tool than using a machete. So I'm chopping up this fucking fennel. I'm chopping it up to put in the compost because if you don't know, when you compost and stuff, you want it to have be chopped up a bit, you know? You don't want to have it be all big and bulky in there so it breaks down easily, easier. I'm chopping it. I'm chopping the fennel with my machete. It's just good. It's just gliding through this, this green wood. And at one point here, I'm fucking, I got the, I got the, the root bulb. And this, this fennel's gone to seed, you know, so we're not talking about this sweet Florence fennel bulb like, like you would have in a, a delicious anything at all. This is like the, the big, thick, big boy root. And I'm fucking wreck, wreck. I'm chopping it on this piece of wood. I'm cutting it up, throwing the compost. And what, lo and behold, I feel a little sting on my fucking wrist. And guess what? I got strung by a bee right there. Got fucking stung. God damn it. I'm walking around like, oh, fuck. I really did get stung by a bee. I see that stinger in my wrist. I'm looking at the spot right now where it happened. I'm looking at it. Like, it's imperceptible where it happened. But it's like a little bit more red. But I look down in the moment, and I see that little stinger pulsing. That's a creepy thing. When you see that, when you see that, that sack... I mean, that is, that is a fucking robot right there. You just got stung by it. You just got weapon. A fucking animal weapon just launched into you. That's like a, a torpedo. You see that little, that sack is pumping. It's bird. Oh, it's just so creepy and so cool at the same time. That, see that little, that little stinger sack pumping the poison into your arm. So I see that fucking thing. And I'm like, I just, I just look at that fucking thing for a second. I'm like, oh, there it is. There's a stinger. And I quickly, pop it out with my fingers and just yeah, throw it away. It's kind of stuck to my finger for a second because it's gooey, you know, because it's got bee guts on it and throw it away. Ooh. But I got fucking stung. It didn't really hurt that bad at all. It's weird. It didn't really hurt that bad at all. Not like the last one. But I, I spend the rest of the day, I'm fucking, I'm still um, working in the garden. I, for, many, for many hours, I totally forgot that I had even been stung. And uh, now, fast forward to today. This is uh, the next day. This wrist is fucking swollen. <laughs> I look like a chunky boy here. And it's itchy. It's terrible, man. Those fucking bees they have a serious little weapon there. Because it's not so much the moment. It's the days after. This will be itchy and swollen for probably the next week and a half. What the fuck, man? Uh, I don't want those bees there anymore. There you go. That's how you wrap it up. You just say, <laughs> I don't want those bees there anymore. 
Okay, but here's what I got to talk about for real, okay? Listen, this is okay, guys. Listen, okay, everything he was talking about before was really important and good and interesting and funny and fun, and that's where I listen to the podcast. But coming up now, I need to talk to you. But I'm sorry, uh, Johnny needs to talk to you about this coming up tour dates. Here goes everything. The Summer Boys Do It, a comedy tour featuring Josh Fadum and Johnny Pemberton. Go see them June 22nd in Madison, Wisconsin at Comedy on State. June 23rd in Chicago at Heaven Gallery. June 24th in Iowa City at The Mill. June 25th in Omaha at Olivers. June 26th in Kansas City at the Alamo Draft House. June 27th in Norman, Oklahoma at Opolis. June 30th in Austin at the Spider House. And July 2nd in Houston, Texas at Rudyard's. Also, I forgot to mention, June 21st in Milwaukee at the Underground Comedy Collective. Oh, baby, go see all the shows. Go see everyone. If you can't go to all of them, please go to one that's nearby where you live. Okay. Does that make, does that, does, hey, does that make sense? Thank you for coming out and supporting the tour. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be super fun. It's going to be really crazy. It's going to be good. all kinds of cool stuff on sale, like merchandise. Okay? Thanks. Well, how do you like that, huh? How do you, how do you like that? How, how, do you, how do you like it? Do you, do you like it? It's okay. Great. Well, uh, but in all seriousness, those words that were spoken just now, that music underneath it, those are all true and real and factual. So, hey, would love to see you uh, if you live near one of those places. And by all means, please, if you do, say hi afterwards. Maybe before, but definitely afterwards. And just say TTW or Twisting the Wind or something if you want to make a hand signal to just to show like that's uh, hey hey just so you know uh, Twisting the Wind, and it'll just it'll really lubricate the um the scenario. Okay, uh, so, uh, so, uh, <laughs> uh, what the fuck? Sometimes I just laugh at what I'm thinking before I've even said it because I'm not really thinking anything. I just, it's hard to, hard, hard to even describe. Basically, I'm laughing at my own level of self-awareness in the process of recording something. Wow, doesn't it matter? I just created like an old, it's a, a black hole that killed itself that no one ever knew existed. Either way, here, here be now the conversation I had with DM Collins of LA Record and so many other things, and we're going to talk about music and what's the point of why am I even doing this? Is there is there is there, is there a reason I'm even doing this? This is all going to be explained later on. So what's the point? Oh my God. Down, down. 
Oh my god. Let's see. I want to have a little more volume for me. Ooh, that's good. It sounds real good. Yeah. It sounds very crisp. Biao. Biao. It's too too crisp. I can yeah. make, uh, I don't I don't like the sound of my own voice. Really? It's scary. Well, I guess it's okay. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I have it. Sometimes I hate it. Sometimes I love it. So here we are. Yeah. But we're we're, we're rolling. Where, where are you from originally? Me? I'm yeah. from Minnesota. Okay. And you're from Oklahoma. I'm from Oklahoma. Yeah. You're an Okie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Josh Fadem. Yeah. Same like Josh Fadem. I wonder how, how he fares. Like for me. Come from Oklahoma. The allergy season is so bad. Here like, or there? No, there. There. Right. Uh, here, it's like pretty good. It's the desert. Nothing's alive in the air. Right. You know, so I'm okay. But going back there, I almost kind of forget here that I have allergies, and I go out there. It's Me bad. too. It's the Santa Anas that get you. Yeah. Those those devil winds. But you're from you're from. Uh, so do you ever break into Oklahoma accent a little bit? Or no? I, you know, I think Josh I, does sometimes. I do sometimes. It's, <laughs> there's a few words. I don't know. Like I, I feel like my it, it goes in and out. My sister talked like a normal person until she turned 18, and then suddenly she got a really thick accent. Really? And I think I probably... You think it'd be that way around, though. She'd be like a little kid being like, Mama, we're trying to get over here. I think I think it's the company you keep. Yeah, yeah. I get, that is a big thing of it. Yeah, because yeah. I don't have a, I don't necessarily have a Minnesota accent, but I think at times it comes up if I'm around Minnesotaners, and there's certain words that will, like they there's like a little magnet in it. You know, the word has a little <laughs> magnet that just sort of pulls. Oh yeah, there. my dad my dad cannot say in any of a, anybody from his generation. They don't sound that oaky, but they can't right. say the word wash. It's all wash. Wash. Yeah, that's a weird word. That word is like used. Uh, people from Ohio say wash. People from like northern or uh, parts of Iowa say wash. And it's like, what the fuck? What is that word? I, I think yeah. it's just a country thing. That's all it I, is. Right? It's one of my favorite new words that I've learned is the word rotic. Rotic. Yeah, there's like um, there's, yeah, there's more than one southern accent. There is rotic and non-rotic. So like, oh my God. Georgia is like southern. They actually like they omit the R. Whereas uh, Oklahoma so, is like Southern, and they have almost more of a pronounced R. It's rotating. Oh, my God. You're blowing my mind right now, because yeah. I'm like obsessed with the Southern accent. I really am. I find it to be like, to me, everything should have a Southern accent version of it, because it's just like the most lyrical, pretty sound, I think. I'm into it. When I go to like, I was just in Austin rotic. a couple times this year, and it's like, Damn, um, it's, it's almost like people are not talking with an accent. You know, they're like, right. a Southern accent, it just feels like home. And over here, not, not quite so much. Rhotic, so wait, rhotic means with an R. Yeah. Like, like, oh, we're, we're, go, we're going down. Where, where are you? I'm trying to think how, how say it again. What was the Get off my line. And actually, there's no R's in that sentence. Uh, um, uh, 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 how do you, bor, 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 Bora Bora. I don't, I don't bora, know. Bora. <laughs> As opposed to Bora. Um, <laughs> southern, like, southern, Southern versus Southern. Southern. So as, as an, yeah, as an actor, I act, see, okay. this is an important thing to know because this is why Lily Lily uh, Tomlin did a terrible job in the movie Keys to Tulsa because she's talking like she's from she's non she's going non rhotic because she's speaking a she's speaking in a way like this almost like a plantation yeah. owner something I, like that as yeah we're someone of the country's like they're talking like this we're gonna run on down to, to robert's house and pick up a bunch of shit from there he's got a bunch of broke back uh, saddles we're, we're <laughs> not gonna, broke back mountain don't no, say that no these no, are broke no. ass broke back saddles okay, here. Good, we good. got they've, was, they've uh, been broken uh, on I the back i said originally what you're saying and i was just i get it rhotic and non-rhotic yeah, I wonder where the transition area is. I feel like Arkansas like probably goes from like rhotic to non-rhotic as you go east. But also, you got all those hillbilly accents, and those kind of have uh, some yeah. of that stuff. Do you live in Do you live in the holler or do you live in the holla? Holla. 
I don't know. It's this is a tough know. one, man. This is I gotta get a linguist on this podcast. I feel like we might be offending like a large swath of America with our I, conversation. I hope so. <laughs> I really do. Because if someone's if someone's uh, offended, that means they're listening and paying attention. I like all the southern linguists. Yeah. Like, excuse me. Yeah. I'm a rotic man from Georgia. I always say that on this podcast, and I'll say it again: is that um, I think it's a great thing to misspeak because it uh, makes forces people to either either correct you, which is I'm fine with being corrected. Send me an email twisting the wind at gmail.com and correct us or uh also just who gives a fuck <laughs> I know. who cares it's like sometimes you, in normal conversation people misspeak all the time so misspeak well, there sometimes was, well, there's a big actually i've been thinking about this a lot because of um uh the whole um oh what's his name uh uh, uh the 22 jump street oh guy. yeah jonah yeah. said uh, he called someone a faggot <laughs> yeah right and like um i of course like i wouldn't want someone to use a hateful word but like right. um I, 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 um, well, I'm in a weird position because, like, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I don't want to out myself, but I've had sex with men, and so I feel like I kind of own that word, like, more than right. some people do. I'm not really very gay, but, like, whatever. But then, um, a couple of years, so I don't know, but in my private speech, it's not something I would go online and just start spouting, but, but, uh, right. sometimes in the, in the heat of anger or something, I, I've said it, and I, I found myself a couple years ago, I was with a girlfriend, and she made me go see, um, uh, oh God! What was it called? The big uh, CGI spectacular where all the, oh, aliens, the, uh, the aliens put their heads into the tree. The blue people. Yeah. Why can't one. we think of it? It's called. I know, right? James Cameron. Uh, the blues. It was actually kind of good. It's okay. What the fuck? What it's called? Ad- not not Narnia. No, no. It's that one. Isn't this weird that we both can't think of the name of the, the, like the highest movie? grossing yeah. movie of all fucking time <laughs> right now? Uh, it is called Anasazi. It's a. Uh, oh my God! What the fuck? This I know. Is really weird. Uh, um. Well, the point is, I was this trying be a great to la- sketch actually, just <laughs> dancing around the name of like. Oh, I have, I, I'm glad that you have this problem too. I, I have this problem. Everyone seems to yeah. have it a little bit, but I have it like a lot. And okay. as, as a journalist, as someone who's supposed to know, like I'm today, th- I'm going to be talking about music. I know I'm going to forget a band name or forget someone's name in a band. It's and hard. It's not because I don't know all about them. I'll remember the history and how many albums yeah. they've had. And like but the one, the the least, the most important slash least important thing is the thing you can't remember. Yeah, it's always a, a proper noun. Usually, it's like it's yeah. Like, you know, it's like, uh, I the signified i just remember the signifier right i have that happen i have that uh all the time where i can think yeah exactly i can think of every other thing but the but the main but the fucking name of the ship no right you know, I, can tell, I can tell the cargo manifest where it's heading like the age of it all other crap but i can't think of the uh oh. it was called oh it was right there it was right there actually um well, amelie Amelie. No, no. <laughs> uh, I mean, people who are listening right now are probably fucking throwing bricks into walls and shit because, like, they, they, it's called this, you fucking idiot. I remember the Simpsons parody uh, uh, intro being so good, where their, oh, cou- their couch is like one of the the bat things. The thing. bat. Um, but you okay? But okay. But the point is, I was at this. I was at this mall and you saw that? Uh, in the val and not the valley, and like in, yeah, in Monrovia or somewhere, wherever I was watching San Gabriel, wherever, and uh, and we're like leaving the movie, mm-hmm. and I'm backing out of my space and some just dude like walks right behind my car and I nearly fucking kill him and it was so obvious that I was backing up I was being very careful he yeah, just chose slow. to do it and I just rolled down my window and I'm just like fuck you you faggot and then I, <laughs> and I realized like that there is no context for that man I, he doesn't know what my history is and, right like, he clearly was probably not gay but like you know and so it was like Jonah I didn't mean it in a term that was derogatory, and, I, and in some ways, I own it, not own it, but like right. I, I realize I need to watch my shit because, like, I don't know what I think is a sort of a casual use of language for fun is gonna come out in the wrong place. It can, yeah. It's a weird thing because I feel like there's a couple of things. I feel like for one, that word has been 
pretty pretty uh just in some to some extent been pretty neatly divorced of any sexual meaning in terms of there was that South Park episode all about it how the kids are calling the, you know the South Park kids uh, they're calling the uh, all those guys riding the Harleys really noisily by their place they're calling them faggots all the teachers are pissed off because they're like no you can't say that, that that's gonna be offensive and they're like that's if like who's it offensive to like offensive to gay people and they're like they're like what what no, those guys, are, those guys aren't gay. They're they're faggots. It's a totally different because to them, like this, yeah. their zeitgeist is that word means nothing. It's the same. It's like synonymous with saying asshole. It just has more bite to it. It's well, yeah. so weird. I mean, a friend of mine on, on Facebook uh, today, we were, he was talking about. He was actually very much in the anti um, uh, f word camp, but he was right. like, I, I see the point because I myself have a, I'm a man who doesn't know his father, and right. like, when people say the word bastard, I don't think, oh God, they're talking about me. It's horrible. Right. Yeah. It's a word that's divorced from its literal meaning. Yeah. I, I get that, but I, and I think that what we're we're just afraid of is that at the you know we, we have lost other words, and uh, right. and and perhaps rightly so. But like, um, I also kind of see the the um, I don't know. There's a really good essay by Lester Bangs who used to use the N word frequently in his, his, right. his stuff, and he never meant it to be offensive. But um, but uh, then he wrote an essay later about like sort of how he learned from talking to, to actually a lot of African Americans how like offensive it was and like yeah. how they were actually like you know he'd be in a place and he'd be saying stuff that and he thought they were laughing with him they were laughing at him and disgusted and were like look at this fucking stupid dude okay. who thinks he gets to own our word he's an idiot yeah and like um I don't know like I I I guess I'm not going to be offended. But maybe in my own personal use, I am going to watch my, watch my language. Yeah, it just depends. I think it's, uh, it's. Uh, I mean, we live in such a, uh, a twenty-four hour media thing, where to the point where there's you can't account for any type of. Um, you can't anything you say is gonna bother to some extent of the population in some way. So it's hard to, to to be on. You can't take everything. Oh, you can't get every all the hundred percent of the people hundred percent hundred percent of the time. Yeah, yeah. So, it's just. Uh, I think you did a good job apologizing. I didn't say any of it at all. Oh. I really wanted I wanted to have nothing to do with it. Actually, I thought it was like <laughs> I thought the whole thing, like I just don't really care about it. I think it's something where it doesn't matter, and it's sort of like a like the fact that I even found out about it at all. Yeah, that's. True. I think I found out through secondhand. I didn't see. I haven't seen anything about it. I haven't heard. Anything, I haven't like you know all, all all secondhand. I heard about everything secondhand to the point where I'm like, I really could I really could care less about the whole well, thing. I, I kind of I think I agree know? with you because like um, I mean I, I also get that like sort of public figures maybe it's sort of a trade off. It's like you get all this wealth and fame and then you lose some private moments. Yeah. I, even that I'm kind of iffy on. I think that there are official places to see Jonah Hill and talk to him and you don't have to like right. chase him around. And I I understand his anger at this guy being a total douchebag and yeah. falling around. I, I also like, even with what's his name, the, the sports guy who just said a bunch of racist shit. Oh, who's like, that? I'm surprised. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's um, like, yeah, of yeah. course someone did. Yeah. I, I, we also, oh, 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 Donald Sterling. Yeah. Donald right. Sterling. Like we oh, all, that I mean, guys. I, he's a horrible person. A lot of people have been like, well, well he should get, he should lose all of these things because of what he said. And, and, I think he should maybe have lost things for things he did in the past. Right. I kind of like feel like what people do in their private life, whether it's racist or just ugly or sexist or terrible, you know, like what, what Jack White may say to his wife's school about his kid's upbringing. Did he say maybe, something too? Yeah. Like Everybody's I, saying stuff, well, I, huh? I think, I think <laughs> of course, I, I, I hate to defend him and then I'll find out he did something publicly oh. that I don't agree with. But basically, I think Jack White's a guy who for most of his career has been a, a pretty solid feminist or has tried to okay. he tried to promote female bands right he had um uh you know a member of his band uh 
who was a, who was a woman for a long time that he, he supported and even took her last name when they were married. Okay. He, um, he is probably not been a perfect person like any of us males are. Right. But uh, there was this letter that came out that basically like um, he, so I think his ex-wife is like dating one of the Black Keys guys or something and the kid, the guy's being uh, a factor in his kid's schooling and he wrote some letter to the school about how he didn't, I don't know, something like private and maybe even ugly and maybe even inappropriate. But right. But I think we all have those moments of, uh, emotion and and sometimes I guess you could argue like well that maybe proves where your real morals are but maybe people are allowed to have a pass or a failing and not be 100 I think so I don't know I think uh, I think it's uh, everything is everything yeah I mean if somebody <laughs> saw me like pooping they might be upset right. with the way I poop I don't think it's their fucking business and I think I might say something privately to my sister or to my parents or to like my friends that I live with in my house and might yell things at three in the morning oh I've yelled stuff at three in the morning yeah. in my old apartment I've yelled everything terrible in the past in the world. Every bad word that exists, I've yelled it. But it's always uh, to to yell it because it is bad. Not, yeah. not, you know what I mean? It's, it's, there's that crazy thing. At least, at least you know. I think among comedians, a lot of people who are uh, kind of more absurd. That, yeah. that so much, so many things are. I was thinking about the other day. If I ever got investigated for something other, like like running for office or anything it just would be it would be a fucking shit show it'd be like did you say this i'm like yeah i said that why did you say that like well just i said it just to say it i guess i don't it has no uh no meaning behind it at all well i've certainly Um, never i don't think i i I, to my recollection i have never yelled um a, a word of racism and anger but oh, in anger, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've never but, yelled but, one in anger. I've definitely yelled it in fun. Yeah, I think that not that long ago. I mean, I don't want to say horrible words in the air, but right. but Patty Smith in the '70s had a song called uh, "Rock and Roll Nigger," and right. it was supposed to be, I think, sort of like a um, uh, I don't know, lambasting, solid like punk song that was supposed to offend and not supposed to be. The whole point of the song is sort of that, like I don't know, in a weird way, she wants to declare solidarity with that word. Mm-hmm. Um, in the 70s it was quite common if you watch like comedy movies like the Kentucky Fried movie there's a whole scene right. where this guy like walks in the middle of a crowd of black dudes and yells that word and runs off and it's supposed to be like a, a joke that a, yeah. he, he's like an evil Knievel guy you couldn't do that today and um, you couldn't because there's just it's a di- I guess it's just a different culture of sensitivity and maybe like um, I don't know it's so complicated it's one of those things that I think I feel like it's, it's so complicated but it's also an issue that's kind of uh it's um, on the surface of th- of things. A lot of times, it's a surf- it's a surface issue. I think perhaps so. I do think that like in the way that we use language affects how the world works. But it I, does. But I, and I do think that's one of the reasons I, I'm uh, not totally on board with like using uh, faggot as a word to sort of be a general. Well, like, that's what I like, ask you about because yeah. you used to have a, you used to perform yeah. under the name screaming know, the word right? faggot, which I thought was the coolest thing ever because it was this thing where you're perf- you're playing like this loud noisy keyboard stuff and you're and it was such a, an aggressive name. Well, I thought that was so cool because it's just, it's so... Um, well, I actually, it's, you know what I mean? Let's, let's, let's definitely talk about this. Okay. Because, <laughs> cause, um, uh, well, first I want to explain that uh, 10 years ago, I was um, uh, a very strange, glammy person. And um, I did actually originally conceive of that name because I was liking the name Screaming Lord Such. And I was just sort of writing all these fake band right. names down. I always envisioned that being sort of like a hardcore punk band name or something. Yeah. And one day I came up with this project that was sort of like bubblegum slash... Glam, and it was just being a drummer, and I played keyboards, and I had a farfisa, which means it's a combo organ, so I could route the bass separately and play bass lines that right. were clean, and then I could make the, the treble do whatever I wanted with wah pedal and and delay and effects, so that could be all shimmery, and uh, 
and I developed this character. So I think that's why I guess yeah, it works. Yeah, it was out. a character. It definitely was a character. In the Bible, like the word that people often use to to, to, to say that the that being gay is wrong is is um, abomination. I, I, I forget I forget which book of the Bible it's in, but it's about um, it's like but don't you know don't lie with a man like another man lies with a man. But in the old Greek and you know uh, uh, Hebrew texts, uh, the the word they use is actually arsenakita, which really means Babylonian prostitute. So I, had to, okay. I made this character who was that Babylonian prostitute. Okay. It was like a, tra- a time traveling character. So in that context, like he was very gay, and like I didn't uh, know all the backstory. It's awesome. I didn't I, if I had developed this band further, I would have had an album with liner. It was gonna be a whole Devo thing where I was right. gonna reveal it over several albums or okay. whatever. But but uh, so so I was playing a character, and that character was using that term. And I thought it was great. I mean. I, I, I first, while well, my friends, um, you know, from the, the LGBTQ community loved it, and I got a lot of bookings. And yeah, then, and then I went on tour, and I could never get it on a marquee. Oh, I, I would think so, because you know, <laughs> people are very uh, sensitive with uh, with that kind of thing. I don't know. That's a complicated thing. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think you, they would get that on a marquee, probably. I, I think so. that the band never quite died. We actually like um, are going to be living again because uh, uh, so the, the the full name of the band was Screaming Lord Faggot and the Sugar Frosted Light Bulbs. And right. Eventually, okay. eventually to short, shorten it to the Sugar Frosted Light Bulbs, and um, and we never exactly broke up, but we kind of stopped playing. And then we did this project a few years back. There was an exquisite corpse project mm-hmm. at this gallery called Echo Curio. Uh, in Echo Park, and they did all these wonderful events. With you know, I don't know if you know what Ex- Exquisite Corpse is. Um, I don't know. No, I feel like we've done these back in the day. Maybe we did at the, at the comedy shows at the at um at the uh, El Cid. Is it El Cid? Well, um, I, I've done a couple at some of my events, but it used to be a, a game I would make everybody play after the uh, the spectacular and ice shows. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man, this uh, I know, is deep. Right? We'd all go to you. We'd go go to you rust again. Everybody be drinking and pull out a piece of paper and be like, "Okay, you have to write five lines for me." That's that's what that game is. You can five do lines of what? Well, you could do it as a poem, uh, a story. You can do it as a drawing. The idea is that like somebody, if it, let's say if it's a, a drawing, mm-hmm. you fold a piece of paper into fourths. Somebody draws. You get four people. Somebody draws something on the top fourth of the paper. They right. fold it over so the next person can only see the the lines where they connect. But that person's okay. job is to draw this, draw the second quadrant, and then the third person. All the lines will end up connecting, but no one knows what the drawing is till it's done. Right. Actually, Four Rooms, the movie, um, and Tarantino and all these guys did was kind of like that idea too. None of them saw the, the segments until it was completed. Uh-huh. So um, it's called an exquisite corpse. It was invented by the Dadaists, and that's one of the first poems. It can also be done as a poem. One of the first poems ended up saying "exquisite corpse" in the poem. Okay, I, I do them as, as as prose pieces a lot. I've got a lot of different ways that I've done it at some of my lit events. Um, actually, on the SoundCloud, we just talked about them. My only SoundCloud piece yet. Maybe I'll share it after this podcast. Mm-hmm. Is um is a group poem we all did in a similar fashion. But but um, what was I talking about? Exquisite You're talking corpses? about uh, the band. Uh, it's a oh, comedy yeah. shows, oh, yeah, yeah. right? So they had this great event a couple of years ago at Echo Curio, and they um, did a whole piece of music with all these great bands. Um, I think Pizza was one of the bands, and uh, 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 maybe um, uh, uh, Frank Alpine and some other bands all contributed these pieces, and we didn't hear each other's pieces. Uh, and the idea was that, again, it was going to be this long, continuous piece of music mm-hmm. where everyone contributed like a minute. And then your minute would be connected to the next minute. Okay. Um, so finally, this thing is going to come out in an official format, and it will be the most recent Sugar Frost Light Bulbs recording. That's, is that going to be, when's it going to come out? Um, I'll definitely let people know. I just was talking to Walt Gorecki, who's sort of the art director at LA Record and does a bunch of other projects, and uh, he will let me know. Uh, it, it, it was one of those weird things where actually, uh, 
it seems like such a big community, but it's it's so small. So I was at my 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 house where I live, which is actually a, a warehouse and a gallery. I'm kind of hanging out in my room and doing work, and uh, having a, a great glass of scotch. And I suddenly hear my own voice like coming at me from uh, the other side of the warehouse. Right. And uh, my roommate Jeff Geis, who's in a band um, called Soft Sailors, and has been in Pizza and Big Whoop and all these things, he's hanging out with Walt, and they're editing this thing together. Okay. So I heard this piece of music I did three years ago. They didn't warn me that it was going to happen, and right. suddenly um, they're putting it together. So I think soon there's going to be a gala art event. I wish I had more info on it, but um, I think it's actually going to be at the place that Echo Curio used to be, which is on Echo Park Boulevard, one of the many like DIY spaces that was closed down the last couple can, of years. When did that get closed down? You know, it's happened a while back. A while. It might have been five years ago. Oh, I guess I was thinking. I'm thinking about the different places around there. There's that lot one, which is not the same. With that Let's in talk mind, about some music. Yeah, I want. Well, to play I want. Something. I want to introduce you because I haven't oh, introduced yeah. you yet. But that's okay because it's okay. But, wait, let's talk about this too because um, okay. So everyone knows me. <laughs> As Dan Collins, right? And I want to talk. You, you've got a really unique name, right? And I do. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know if it's that unique, is well, it? Well, well, Johnny uh, Pemberton. I bet you, if you Google your name, in it comes up with you. You're probably right. the most famous guy with your name. I am. I am not. My name. My name. My birth name is Daniel Collins. My, right. My, 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 most people call me Dan Collins, and I kind of tried to switch a couple of years ago because I'm an author. And um, besides the fact that, like, I think I always wanted to be D M Collins. Uh, it's also something that is easier to find. Like, there's a right. million Dan Collins. There's even some people who are kind of in my industry. There's like garage rock artists and like writers for who the Huffington Post <laughs> and like all these people who have my name. So I keep going by DM Collins, and it's all of my articles for the last two years or three years have said that. Okay. Um, but I keep getting attributed to being Dan Collins. Well, I'm going to credit you as DM Collins on this. Oh, that's so awesome. So it's easy to do. Yeah. But, so. You write for the LA Record. I do, yeah. And the LA Record, as far as I can tell, is like the one, the last remaining really great music publications that writes about so. all kinds of. Like I am pretty deeply out of touch with music in terms of anything new. For the most part, I know about a couple bands now, and I kind of stick with them. And anything I find out about that's new is like basically either directly told to me by fans of the podcast, or. Um, or like a, maybe one or two close friends. Otherwise, I'm pretty much everything I listened to happened or was recorded before 1979. Like I just I know. Like, that's like I, what I like to listen I, to. I, I so. think I'm the same way. I, I will have to confess that if yeah. it wasn't for being an LA record, and one of my impetuses to stay at LA record is that um, they send so much stuff to me. I really can right. stay on top of things in a way that a teenager can. Whereas um, I don't know. There's something about when you're young and you're just so into it that you you're you hungry. Yeah, and, and maybe you just like you stumble into class and some kids listening to some cool shit. And like right. now, as an adult, it seems like when my friends are excited about music, they're always excited about yeah something that happened before '79. Yeah, or stuff that I do like now. It's either like something that is taking an older sound and kind of either either just doing it again for the sake of doing oh, it yeah. again, or it's got elements. Like, this is a, one of my favorite bands is the OCs. Yeah. I'm, I like them. I found out about them just randomly because I went to this record store in Portland, Maine about six years ago, maybe a little less than that, and I talked to the guy who worked there, this guy who ran this time lag record label. His name is Nemo. Really nice guy. I bought the Monks. Uh, oh, yeah. Bought the Monks, Light in the Attic uh, reissue with demos. And, you know, I fucking love the Monks. And I emailed him saying, like, hey... Because I had a grip of money at the time, so I was like just buying records, you know. And I was like, "Hey, send me some stuff." Uh, and he's like, "What do you like?" I'm like, "Well, I like I like a lot of folk blues, and I like a lot of like droney psychedelic stuff." So she's like, "How about this?" Okay, I was like, "Send me just something I don't care." 
Like, I don't care what you decide because I just don't know. And he sent me two OCs records and I fucking deeply fell in love. And, you know, I've got to watch that band really progress and now not be a band and like yeah. all this stuff. But I feel like that's a band I like so much because it is. Well, they're, well, they're, they're a band again. They are again. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. Like, just like brand new members, a, pretty much. But yeah. Right. I just saw them the other day. It was, it was great. It was definitely a lot different than. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, stuff it's, is, stuff it's, is hard, It's kind of a different band, but um, is. Nick, their drummer, is um, is this amazing drummer that's been in so many cool bands over the years. I'm so, like... Uh, and actually, like, he used to guest with them. A couple okay. years ago, I saw it at South by Southwest. He got up on stage, and it was just, like, amazing. I, I met all the original members a couple of years ago. I got to DJ a show with them, and, and they were all very nice. And so They're I, great. But that's a band that I feel like it sounds... They're progressive, yet they do sound like so a lot of their stuff yeah. sounds like older music it's, it's a hard question to, i mean it's something i think about a lot too is it, you know is it that we're the things have always been this way or is it new like are we living in a postmodern era where oh, yeah yeah you, know, you know maybe that like the reason that the blues in the 30s and the delta sound so good is because no one heard anything else but what the guy next to them was yeah. doing and there was a natural progression because you could not get your hands all you could get your hands on was that and pop on the radio whereas now mm-hmm. like yeah, if I want to make this cool original song, someone will say, "Hey, that sounds like um, you know, like Visage or something," and I'll be like, yeah. "Shit, someone's already done it." You know, it's hard to not be recycling culture now. It's really hard. I don't know. To me, it's a strange, it's a strange thing because I have, I feel like there's two sides of it, and I have a good friend who's been on the podcast a bunch, and he like is you know digs 45s like no one person I've ever met in my entire life, like all old amazing stuff. He's he sells records for a living, and he. Is kind of uh, he ha- he feels sort of um, what's the word I guess sort of cynical about the music of today how it's not good it's bad and how the things that are being produced are are of low quality and low value but I'm also when I hear that I'm like okay I kind of do agree with that but at the same time that's also a very kind of uh, narrow way of thinking because. Yeah. If to say you can pretty you could pretty much say that at any point in time in history is is say that what the what's what's now is bad and what came before is better. I think I think some of the best musical movements have been um, and I was actually interviewing this guy White Rainbow who's an electronic yeah. musician. He's great. I've met. Yeah, him. He's, he's, awesome. he's awesome. And he, but he was basically like it was almost like he was sort of poo pooing. Uh, most of what I think about music. Oh, well, I, I read that like, article. This is yeah, an article yeah, yeah, on the record. Yeah. Well, yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, I'll well, say what, know, I, like, what I thought about well, it. Well, I mean, like, he was saying in a sort of like, he, you know, I was like, you, you know, is this like, um, you know, you, you've been doing, doing like sort of like SoundCloud songs and this is yeah. your first album. Is this like a book? And the other ones were like short stories. He's like, no, this is like, you know, a, a nice like New Yorker article and those were like, podcast or something he was sort of like saying that there's no permanence and he's not interested in permanence or interested in preserving uh-huh. a culture and maybe you kind of have to have that attitude to make forward-thinking music you have to ignore the fact that you might not be as forward as you think you have to be make it almost disposable it's like a thing where you're making it for the moment yeah. and you're making it for yourself i mean i think the punk movement was so amazing like there's not an unimportant band from england or new york or like la that was doing punk rock i really believe that there's like not an unimportant band for in that yeah. era and a lot of it is some something that is almost like a, a pop single where you can listen to it once and not not dig it anymore mm-hmm. but some of them are timeless i'm sure at the time it was hard to tell yeah and and a lot of them honestly if you examine the glam rock that came two years before if you examine like 50s rock and 60s rock or the who or whatever like they, they had utter precedence and a lot of it was completely not original but it was I don't know it, it's it's because they were young and no one was and when people were telling them like and Raymond Zarek was like oh, I was there and I was telling everybody like hey we did this in the 60s and they're mm-hmm. like shut up old man like you know they, they, they there was a gleeful ignorance about the fact 
and I don't think that we have that gleeful ignorance now, but maybe we do. Maybe there's like young people making music like, you know, I think White Rainbow is a bad example because he's been doing it for 10 years, mm-hmm. 20 years or whatever. He's been doing it for a while, but like, um, not 20 years, maybe a good, 12, good amount of time, 13 years. He's been you know. in the, yeah, he's like, he's a, you know, he's, he's, um, we're all adults and we're like, we have this context and maybe important music has to happen without context well, context or maybe awareness. Yeah. That's a, well, I mean, I'll say a couple things about that. I, I have some friends who were in a band and they, um, the great, ba- great small band. They don't play a lot or haven't recorded much, but they have, what they have recorded. I was like, this sounds exactly like the gun club in a good mm-hmm. way. I was like, holy fucking shit. I've never heard a band that sounds like the gun club. It's not the gun club. Yeah. And, uh, maybe I'll, I'll drop in a song here in a second. This band's called Tooks. Okay. And, yeah. um, I was like, you guys, you guys like the gun club, huh? And they're like, who? <laughs> heard the gun club I was like no I never heard it and I played it for him I sent him all these songs I'm like how fucking crazy is that they they, they wrote this these songs that sound it's so reminiscent of it to me I can't even yeah, handle it sometimes people but, lie but I don't know they, I, mean, I, I believe guys, them I believe them they're yeah they're good friends of mine I don't, they know I know they wouldn't I really yeah. I really do that I, mean, I, I, I had that, that when, I, when I interviewed the Strange Boys several years ago like one of the reasons I liked those guys was because some of their songs sounded just exactly like a Back From The Grave Band, and there's a, there's a series of records that came out in the 70s and or I guess in the 80s that was all sort of like really snarling garage punk from the 60s. Mm-hmm. All the, you know, all these bands that had one 
like you know 50 the mummy pressing yeah the, well, the mummies got the mummies were like one of the first revivalists of that sound right. they're these these bands that like um were sort of too hard for the nuggets comps okay and and, and well, i talked about great, that man yeah it's, it's great stuff and i and and i've talked to this a lot in the 80s a lot of bands would cover those songs and i was sure the strange boys that was like their biggest influence i don't know if they were being completely honest but they were kind of like no like we like joe tex we like blues we like all this other stuff yeah. and when i go back i'm like you know i think that it was more like they had the same inspirations as those 60s bands so it maybe, was a happy accident yeah i think a lot of that stuff can be that way it's a weird but maybe people lie i don't know maybe they lie, I, maybe <laughs> they lie. also i think sometimes stuff uh i think the when you have a band that's influences are coming from uh not their genre that's when you get the best and most interesting stuff because it's someone who is obsessed with country music but is playing like hard rock and yeah. something when when that happens when you take that color and it bring it up through but something there's, there's else. also something i'm interested in which doesn't happen in the post-internet age was right. that you would get these waves of music which in some ways are shallow but in some ways had these amazing things happening um uh, one is maybe like the second or third wave of wave of ska okay um and one this is, is gonna, i want to hear about this <laughs> uh, one, one is i'm um, like you know in the paisley underground in the in the 80s which was all these bands who like the 60s okay um, my point here what is What are some that, examples of those bands? Well, like for the, the ska stuff, it'd be like The Selector, The Specials, Madness, right. um, you know, a lot more obscure bands or some bands like um, like The Squeeze that might have had like a ska-esque song. What about the Paisley Underground stuff? Is that like... That would uh, be like... Under, some of those bands are doing real good again. Like The, the, three, the, the three O'Clock, who I just interviewed maybe okay. last year. Um, the Bengals would be one of those bands. The Dream Syndicate. A lot of them are from LA. And, and they were a big enough influence on culture that, that, um, that Prince late named his label Paisley Park sort of as a tribute oh, I didn't to this know that. movement okay. but um my point is that um I, they wouldn't maybe wouldn't fly now because i think that there was later and in um you know like actually i think third wave ska is where this moment happened mm-hmm. that um that and before that happened in the 80s it was okay to like be really influenced by a sound and yet not really have it at all uh the, what, the, what do you mean what do you mean not i mean like um talking about second wave ska like specials yeah yeah okay. the, the, those do not sound like 60s jamaican ska they songs do not, at no. all they'd be covering them but like you know it's it's modern engineering maybe because they couldn't or weren't interested in like worrying about making the song sound exactly the same as they had right. back in the day the same thing with like if you hear like surf from the 80s it doesn't sound like surf like liars or something yeah right? the perfect example the liars although the liars had some songs such that a good sound, band yeah they have some songs i that, love that band. they actually well because he's mono man he did yeah. a better job and the mummies did a better job too but like um a lot of bands were not very concerned with trying to recreate um to, to be absolute revivalists like tone dicks yeah or uh the time we, we said word from i don't know uh, like tone nazis or something. yeah yeah <laughs> I, I like that too i really yeah. do like bands that get it just right and right. and and sometimes those are more fun i like there's there's a mystery to like old recordings and two track and all that right um and in the 80s, it was sort of like, oh, we like old music, but like we want to make sure we have all the modern recording stuff. And right. We want to have gate. The snares have to be gated, and like um, uh, that went away. I think I guess what I'm, what I'm bemoaning is sort of the idea that you can. Re- the reason the cramps existed, for example, is because no one could get those recordings of the songs they were covering. Ooh. Even the Sonics were hard to get a hold of, but you could go see the cramps. Yeah. Now you can go on YouTube and see clips, probably of the Sonics. Yeah. You can go see the Monks play in Ger- Germany. Right. You, there's no like, there's no value in this n- sort of knockoff band. Not to bemoan the cramps. But I think like, we uh, just like pierced a, a veil of some sort. You know, it's one of those things where I honestly get like tingles because it is a <laughs> it is a really strange thing to talk about because it's it's so hard to talk about because it's so conceptual yeah. 
Well, yeah. Well, I think it's happening again now, maybe in a good way. That um, Burger Records has, and all, just sort of in general, there's sort of a lot of bands that are now being called surf bands. Right. That I was a very huge surf DJ in college, and I, I've known from listening to all of the original surf bands that these guys are not very. They're surfed by sort of some weird, like, um, shadowy men on a shadowy planet basis and not by the early 60s exactly well, what do you mean but, explain, explain that um, well like uh, uh, surf music if you're going to talk about the sort of instrumental stuff and not the the Beach Boys harmony stuff right. um, was you know I don't know it was like like sort of flamenco and a lot of like Dick um, Dale Dick Dale exactly there was there was um, bands like the Lively Ones and the and the, uh, the Challengers and some of the Venture stuff and like there's so many bands um, the Crossfires that um, you can go here now, and mm-hmm. there is uh, uh, there's one amazing band called the Fender Four that did a song called Margaya that's sort of like the most punk rock surf song. And um, there was a time in the '90s when there were surf bands doing this, like the Bomboros did very similar versions of that kind of stuff. Who okay. revived it and brought it back to life, and like you know would make you want to go and find those old records. Now when I hear a band like Tijuana Panthers, I love them. When they're called surf, I'm like ah. Because a part of me is like, this isn't surf at all. It doesn't sound like the lively ones. It doesn't sound like these bands are singing. They have like a twang to them. But like, where did, where, no one would ever mistake this for surf. If you brought this to people in the early 60s, they wouldn't right. think it was, it wouldn't work on the same bills. Yeah. But, but maybe that's, I actually really think that maybe um, I've been a tone Nazi and that actually uh-huh. like, it's a nice to have a revival that's not, we're finally past the point where we have to be pitch perfect. We're beyond and, the pale. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird because that that is such a thing where, because we're it's, there's I think there's just like a foreshortening that's happened with um, how far back things dip in terms of references. Yeah, and it's it's becoming the time is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. It's almost like a musical ramp up to the singularity. I feel like <laughs> it's this thing where, like the. There was a there's nostalgia and reference to the '80s, and then it becomes nostalgia and reference to the '90s. Like like uh, fucking have the house music that I listen to, like Midwestern hard like techno and house. There's there's honest to god a fucking uh, revival? nostalgic revival for yeah. that kind of stuff. It's this weird thing that's going on because that stuff is not that old at all. Yeah, I always like like the electro revival stuff. Like you know, it's nuts. Actually, no, 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 even those those are like old. What was it called? What were the um. Oh, the Knights of Bass. That was like a ten. That was thirteen years ago or something. Yeah. This band that came and revived sort of an eighties electro style, and that wasn't that old when they did it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I completely agree. So it's like a foreshortening. I feel like where it's just, it's not because now everything's in the in like the the tumbler and the washing machine of the internet. So it's just so literally it's in the there's so much. There's so much stuff. Well, you you know what? We should play. We should definitely play. Maybe we could play maybe two two back to back. I want to hear this this took song, and then after that's over. Okay. I want to play this song just to get some old music out of the way. This this is going to be a piece. So go play the Tooks, and then okay. There's a song. So while I've been in my warehouse, not being able to play amplified music past eleven thirty at night. Um, and listening to old music because that's what old people do. Uh, I've rediscovered Randy Newman, which is a hard thing to do because you can't just go on YouTube and try to search him. You're going to end up with a Toy Story two sound. You get everything, but but um, but um, there was a time when this guy was the most cutting edge motherfucker on the planet. He was. And well, you're talking to a person who absolutely loves Harry Nilsson. Yeah. To the point where I've never talked about it on the podcast because I feel like 
what can I say but everything? Yeah. And I don't know how to say everything, so well, I just well, don't even talk about well, it. Well, I'll, I'll do it for <laughs> you. That, yeah, there's a time when Harry Nelson was one of the most important and famous people in the world who, like, people like the Beatles were like, we like this guy. Yeah. And he, at the height of his career, was in 1970 or 72. Well, 71, yeah. Uh, he, he did an album called Nelson Sings Nelson or, or Newman. Nelson, Nelson Sings, Sings Newman, Newman. yeah. Um, where you know yeah basically he's like I'm gonna give my fame to this other guy uh-huh. who I think is even better than me everyone thinks I'm the star and star child genius and I'm gonna prove that this guy is like I'm gonna he one ups me such and a good songwriter yeah. and and there's also on the um on the 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 Rolling Stones uh, soundtrack to performance the movie there's like a Newman song on there there's people cover him left to right and um uh, uh, and uh, you should go listen to all those old records because they're wonderful oh, yeah. in like this horrible, ominous, like dark way. He's playing these beautiful piano ballads, and and, and you, it's only if you become a fan you realize that these songs are often like really cruel. Really cruel. He also did a lot of stuff with recording technology that no one was doing. He was basically making fun of the fact that he's recording. And he also would use the recording like, oh, we can we can track my voice. I don't have to have anyone else sing with me. How about I sing every part? How yeah. about I talk to myself in a recording? It's like people weren't doing that outside of comedy records. They yeah. weren't doing it outside of – they weren't doing it in, in uh, legitimate – music on a major label yeah. i think another reason that the beatles like like uh, nilson said much is that they recognize he had that that ear um yeah absolutely like you know that the nilson yeah. sings newman album is a minor classic just because if you listen more and more you hear like you know like newman's like reading reciting the lines to nilson before he sings oh them. it's so great like that, <laughs> that kind of shit man when i first heard that it gets my fucking my neck just tingles because he's it's like, what is it? I don't. He's saying. I mean, we should. Well, I'll have to play that song. But yeah. the one where he's like, but I'm glad to see you again. No, I won't be staying here, Dad. Come and see us, Papa, when you can. There'll always be a place for my old man Just drop by when it's convenient to Be sure and call before you do So long, Dad So long, Dad So long, Dad So long, Dad Actually, I need more current voice We get the one that's saying our first He's calling you like, all right, second verse. Like the fact that that stuff is, he's saying it before that. Like you're not supposed to hear that. It's supposed to be the thing you don't hear. It's yeah. like seeing the. On a very beautiful <sighs> album. It's not even a punky album. No, it's, it's not like, at all. Uh, but it is punk. It's this weird American irreverence that I think. Uh, that's what I think about Nilsson. Like people love Bob Dylan, yeah. and Bob Dylan's great. But yeah. I only like Bob Dylan because I think that he he misses the thing that Nilsson does, which is. He is like, um, he takes a piss all over his own work by being irreverent, but also being distinctly American in that irreverence that... It's something that you don't have in Europe because um, we gotta we gotta play some uh, music because we're okay. gonna start talking about Alex Chilton and we'll all these other people oh, who do the same yeah. thing. Alex Chilton, so good. Okay, oh, but, okay, but the song I want to play is um, <laughs> is is was something I think was only a demo. I never seen it, like a copy that wasn't the press copy, and it was finally came out a couple years ago on the um, the L.A. Nuggets box set. It's an early version of a song that's on Sail okay. Away. It's called Dream I Had Last Night, and the version on Sail Away is very nice. 
But this version is like a balls out psychedelic like mind fuck song. And a blaster. Gonna, yeah, it's a blaster. So let's play like Here, um, we'll play a blaster. Yeah, we'll play the whole thing. Point out, by the way, that's that, heavy that, duty. That was produced by um, it's like the late '69, produced by Van Dyke Parks oh, okay. and Lenny Warrenker. Yeah, the that dog woman's dad, and uh, it's rad. That's <laughs> yeah, heavy duty. Even just the outro guitar lick there is worthy of uh, repetition. I know, right? It like, sounds, it sounds, well, it sounds like a Neil Young like lick or something. Yeah. Wow, that's great. So that's yeah. that's Randy Newman. <laughs> yeah. Last night I had a dream. So that's from Sail Away. No, that was he redid it for Sail Away. Uh, Sail Away, okay. it's very nice. Got um, it. That that was like the sort of um, I think what they were, tra- you know, it's one of those things where you hear early Roy Orbison, you're like, oh, they wanted to make him like rockabilly. Mm-hmm. This is like, like they wanted to make Randy Newman this sort of like um, wild rocker. Yeah, and I think he was uh, uh, the official face of him was that, but he never really was. And then by you know the time he got to Nilsson sings Newman, he was able to have this more piano based. Yeah, uh, studio voice. But I, I kind of I wonder what would have been. I wish I had more music like that too. We got so much of the Newman that yeah. he is, and um, and that's that's nice. But I also so, like that because like Van Dyke Parks is famous for kind of more doing production that's very Americana, mm-hmm. and um, you know he's the lyricist for for um, the Smile stuff. But mostly he's an arranger and he did very good stuff for a lot of people. But mostly not that psychedelic. Yeah. Well, that album Song Cycle. Everyone should check that out. That album is. Yeah, I'm so. It's like psychedelic in a very subtle way that I think is hard to do. He he once complimented me. I did an interview with oh um, man, uh, wow, Anara George, <laughs> and I met him afterwards. Shit. Like she did some event, and I got to see him, and yeah. it was funny because he was like, "Yeah, she's did a great job. Now she's gonna go. She's trying to get knocked up right now. She's trying to have a baby." And he's just he he um he sent me an email that basically said, uh, you know, capital work, great job, pants forward. Van Dyke Parks. Pants forward? Pants forward. What's that mean? I don't... Maybe it means I got a big dick. 
I don't know. I think it just means like keep walking, keep traveling on your path to. I'll take it. Whatever he yeah. says is fine. Uh, to steal that. Actually, someone I want to play later in the show. I, I do promise I want to play new music, and in a way, this is new. Well, we play. Let's play it now. Um, okay, let's do it. Let me let me lead up to it. Okay. Um, so there was another guy. So Vanek Parks is famous for working out with Brian Wilson on the Smile Project, right. the aborted Smile that just came out. Um, finally, sort of the, the Smile sessions. Uh, actually, one of my one of my favorite um, things I've written that I'm kind of proud of was I, I hope I, I got the magic of that album with my review. Okay. In LA Record, but. But another guy who worked with Brian Wilson shortly thereafter was a, a poet named Stephen Kalinich. Um, and it was one of those things that no one knows about. Um, they do now. But for years, um, people who were really big Beach Boys collectors would find this guy's stuff on really rare bootlegs. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I used to live with Bob Bruno, um, the guy, the Best Coast guy, who uh, is way more like weird and, and, and outre than that band would reveal. Okay. And he was the hugest Beach Boys fan. That's always the, world. the case, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, right? Like kind of normie band. Yeah, with, uh, yeah, I'm happy for him. It's not a bad, room. yeah, it's not a bad band, but not it's band. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's still and he's using that money to like do all these great other things with his his life too. But um, but point is like it was like finally I had a kindred spirit who was just as nuts about this stuff as I was. Right. I was going through a savage um, Brian Wilson phase at the time, and so he had some bootlegs I think that I listened to. And and uh, if you look at the the liner notes of Friends and of 2020, uh, you'll see some some lyrics that are by Klinich. Um Basically, the story is that there's this poet guy in L.A. He was very wide-eyed, optimistic, didn't do any drugs. And one of his best buddies is Dennis Wilson, who did tons of drugs. Uh-huh. They're kind of like heckle and jekyll. And, um, and they wrote some songs for Friends in 2020. And, and in 1968, maybe early 69, um, uh, Brian Wilson produced a session for Stephen. That was mm-hmm. this great poem called America, I Love You. And it sounds very uh, American and, and beautiful. And they, they gave it to Capitol Records. Like, hey, can we do a whole album of this? And Capitol's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they go to Brian Wilson's house and he ends up doing one of the, um, this has all been in the LA Weekly recently. There have been okay. a lot of articles about this. But um, but they went in and ended up recording an album that was way crazier than what they presented to Capitol. It has, it's all poetry. Some of it's um, very sparse, like, you know, um, you can hear the static in the background. There's one. There's no the, music. There's, just there's some. There's some of it has okay. music. In fact, he sings some, but some of it is unaccompanied. A lot of it's unaccompanied. There's right. one poem where um, Brian Wilson's uh, wife's band, The Honeys, like sort of mm-hmm. does like a do a girl group song that kind of fades into the poem. It's 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 beautiful, but um, Capital had no idea what to do with it. So when they they finished this whole album worth of poems uh, called "A World of Peace Must Come," brought it to Capital, and Capital's like, no, okay, we turn it down. So you could hear like one of these, you know, this America I Love You track on some of these rare bootlegs. This guy, right. you know, like I didn't even know what his story was. Like, who is this guy? What's going on? Fast, fast forward, oh, about 40 years. And, um, and finally, this CD of that album was coming out of Light, Light in the Attic Records. And, um, and I'm entrusted with interviewing this guy. And I'm like, would I? Like, I, you know, I researched him. I'm like, oh, this guy's done some other stuff. He mm-hmm. actually wrote... Um, a song with Brian Wilson and Paul Paul McCartney that they did in 2004 at the Grammys or something. He right. co-wrote that. He's done a lot of stuff. Um, and I met him, and we had a great interview. And then I'm like, hey, you're a cool poet. Would you like to come to this literary event I have? Mm-hmm. And he's like, sure. And then he came to the next one. And then we're talking, and then it's suddenly like I've got a grandfather. Like My, my grandfather is this poet who wrote with Brian Wilson, and it's weird and wonderful. And I'm sure he's listening to this right now, Stephen. I love you. <laughs> but um, this his um, his album, um, 
a, lot, a world of peace must come finally is being re- released in the vinyl it was always intended oh, cool. to be released and it's just came out actually and um we did another piece of them in la record but i wanted to play something from that to kind of show and maybe I, maybe even though there's other weirder pieces i'm gonna i think i'd like to play that america okay. i love you here it goes america i know you i feel your open spirit I roam in your open meadows. I taste the oranges from your orange tree. I smell the blossoms of your pear. America, I feel you. I feel your restless spirit as a part of myself. I see you in your snow-capped mountains that like a child's finger touch the sky. America, I know you. Far away from smog and cities full of grime. America, I know your open air and open fields. I fly into your arms. America, I see you in the grazing pastures of your cow, in the sweat of farmers, in the workhorse's eye. America, I touched you in your stony little creeks, on your Indian trails where I found bullets of your past. America, I found you in the caves that as a child I would explore. I felt you in Walt Whitman in the Walden of Thoreau. But most of all, I felt you in my heart and mind. I came down your hills and traveled through your streets and drank your water and saw your sunsets and felt your rain upon my bare chest, the rain of America. And I thought that here a dream had come true, that I who came from humble birth could be a part of you and say with my raging, roaring spirit, I am an American. I am an American. I am an American. America, I know you. I have felt Montana winters and seen its highways filled with snow. I have seen the badlands of Dakota painted purples, oranges, blues, and yellows. I have seen the beauty of a Texas sky and thirsted on the desert sand. I have seen a thousand cactus plants in Arizona and rocks a million different shapes and forms, like two lovers embracing, like an ancient face or a mother carrying a child. I have seen the mighty Columbia River. I have heard the tales of how the mountains of Oregon have sprung up from volcanoes of the past. I have hitchhiked through every state and seen a million different faces. I've read books in New York public libraries. I've cut the stone of quarries in Pennsylvania. America, I've baled your hay and milked your cows and shoveled ashes from your cellars. I have fallen asleep in your haylofts and dreamt a million dreams. I've met your rich and poor and laughed with your bums and peasants. I've seen the cruelness of your children beating other children. I've bathed in New York lakes and sailed on Lake Oneida. I've body surfed in the Pacific and carved my name in the sand. I fell in love in America and married. America, I know you. You are not perfect. You have had many senseless murders and cruel assassinations, and some of your students have destroyed property and rioted, and some of your policemen have been brutal, but with you there still is hope. America, you are the hope of the world. America, I love you. America, I know you. I hear you crying. 
crying to those who live in cities, to those whose hearts are broken, to those whose souls are torn, crying, come my children, see me. In my winters, in my summers, in my autumns, in my springs, touch me, feel me, grasp me. Yeah, right? America. I think I said it wrong. I think it's America. I know you, but you America, know, I know you. It goes Amazing. back to that thing I was saying about words. I, I, I am a self-diagnosed. Um, um, uh, uh, I've already forgotten what the word is. That there I you am. go. I am. There's a problem. Uh, people, yeah. people do have where they forget. What's it called when you nouns. can't remember things? Uh, going on a little. Think bit? of a bobber. Think of a bobber. Going on a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, a ripe old 37-year-old. It happens. Um, oh, what is it called? Not Alzheimer's. What do they call it? Uh, um, dementia. Yeah. Self-described, self-diagnosed dementia. You have dementia. I, I've been feeding the couch recently. <laughs> I don't know. Um, um, that's great. So that, yeah. but that's he, that's just now recently we released. That's amazing. Yeah, it came out on a CD a couple of years ago on Light in the Attic, and I think the vinyl is also on Light in the Attic, and I'm excited because um, he he's just amazing. He's a great poet. Um, by his own like words, if you talk to him now, he's like, well, you know, maybe I was a little wide-eyed. And optimistic, yeah. but I think that like um, that's better than uh, the opposite. Yeah, <laughs> well, it says something like yeah. you know, that. Like at least like he was, you know, like so many people were trying. I, I think that in some ways we can blame our parents' generation for giving up on their dreams. Yeah, so many conservatives were actually the people out there protesting for positive things in the seventies and sixties. Former Minnesota governor was a he was a fucking radical sixties and eyes Republican. Norm Coleman. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what happens. You know, you got you want that free shipping. Yeah, <laughs> it's all about that free shipping. That's even, what we have. Even our fucking John Kerry with the yeah. uh, you know, he's a, he's, a civil, he's a Vietnam War veteran uh, right. hero who's talking shit about uh, Eric Snowden or whatever. And um, that's his name, right? Um, Snowden. I just call him Snowden. Yeah, Snowden. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I admire Stephen because it's sort of like this. Like, no, it wasn't just that they were. No, no. There was a even if they even if they didn't all end up like being at the place they started, they were, they did positive things. It was not all wide-eyed idealism or a giant mass deception. Right. I don't, know, he, I don't know how he proves that. Yeah, I mean you can't. It's the, you, can't, <laughs> you can't prove anything like that, can you? Yeah. He also yeah. has some much darker poems, as we all do. And yeah. well, that, the whole album is available, so people should check that out. Definitely, definitely. So, what about some stuff that's uh, that's new or that you've been talking about in the LA record in oh the last, God. you know, well, there, how, well, whatever period of time? Um, well, there's so much. I, I want to talk about um, first of all um, uh, uh, what it's like to be a um, music reviewer because I, I think something came up recently that we're going to play. And okay. It kind of like points out something I've learned. Um, it's really hard uh, from this one way to be a music reviewer, um, which is that. Uh, you can make these great friends and then risk horribly oh. offending them. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, never, I've only written a couple of reviews, but I feel like the only way I'm good at writing reviews is about stuff that I fucking hate. It's hard. To, <laughs> it's, it, or stuff, the stuff I love, it's hard to describe. And the stuff I dismiss, it's easy to like write about. But otherwise, it's, well, 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 it's actually, hard to do. Actually, as a comedian, I think, I mean, of course, you right, guys... It's different. It's well, a very but, different No, thing. but I mean, but I think actually as a comedian... You often have to get up on stage and maybe talk about people that you love and make horrible make fun, fun of, of them. them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had somebody who like you thought you were just good nature ribbon and they were upset? Um, not really, because I don't really talk about that stuff that much. But I definitely talk about uh, people in my life. 
but usually it's... You're torn into people about their cats. I was like, yeah. I kind of agree about your... <laughs> yeah, that's Matt's old stuff. It's like really funny. <laughs> I know you for a while. I, yeah. I remember. I know. That's like a, that's like a classic. Yeah. But uh, well, yeah. for those who don't know, Johnny like hates your fucking cat and he thinks that your cat's asshole looks terrible. But I've kind of come around, actually. I am. Um, I, I like cats. I'm just allergic to them, so I don't Me know too. their ways. I'm allergic to them. That's probably why I hate them, so... Yeah. I'm actually allergic to dogs, but not the hypoallergenic ones. Right. So the I'm, kind that have a, no fur. I have a dog owner. Well, there's like a, the poodles, they don't... They don't. Um, they have hair that doesn't shed. Yeah, it's not the same as. Yeah, it's different. It's fur is opposed. Hair is opposed to fur, right? Yeah, so, yeah. They're like more human somehow. But you're saying about reviewing music, how it's a thing. Cause, yeah. Because obviously you have to. You want to be truthful about something. Uh huh. And we did something recently. So we had a lot of coverage of this band that I actually really love, mm-hmm. the Entrance Band. Okay, I've never heard of them. They are um, maybe sort of vaguely, more than vaguely psychedelic. Okay. Um, their bassist, Paz, um, I hope I'm saying her name right, is actually... Um, As like Paz is in like Paz de la Huerta? Yeah, she's actually like one P-A-Z. of the... Yes, she's um she is uh, now actually playing bass for the Pixies at their current lineup. She, oh, shit. She's like amazing. It's one of those artists where I, I, I'm hesitant to describe her because I, I, I honor my... I try to honor my own beliefs about being a feminist and not describe women in like terms of being sexy just because they're women but her, right. her, her bass style is a very sexy bass style she's yeah. like both how she looks on stage sort of like being slinky and like kind of like the uh, the girl from the ring or something okay. her hair's over her face and just really this wonderful like like melodic style mm-hmm. I mean that in a completely not creepy way and um and that was um, not even remotely creepy yeah <laughs> you haven't read my diary but um but um but uh, uh the singer for the band guy Blakesley uh, is a wonderful singer and lyricist and he um on the most recent entrance band album we gave them a lot of coverage in LA record mm-hmm. I think there was a live review um, uh, my buddy Jacqueline uh, I think wrote something about them that was really nice and then c- comes me and I write uh, the music's great but um, Guy just got sober and I don't know what it was but for me the lyrics were very um, sober they were very uh, I said I said he had and this seems really mean uh, mm-hmm. but I have to be blunt with these things sometimes I said he had the didacticism of the newly sober oh everything man was, everything, was, everything was very clear you know like all the songs were sort of like very much about what they're about right. and I was prepared for that band to hate me for the rest of my life and I was so sad because I love them and I didn't mean it with uh, malice right um, and then this is what happened I got actually on Facebook guy texted me perfect personally he's like hey how's it going and i'm like prepared for it like oh shit because i've had this happen before even bands who are my friends who i've given many good reviews to you say one thing they don't like and suddenly they're like what the fuck hey man yeah they'll come up to me on facebook and yeah um Mm -hmm. this happened recently with the warlocks who i I love and i've loved for years and i think my last review i i wasn't trying to say they were terrible that i just said that it sounded like the um you know i don't know an album of people who had been damned and were sort of like stewing in hell and had had realized that sort of like their moment maybe it was at their moment for huge fame had gone and now they were in this world where they were like dealing with the repercussions of it and and i thought well they didn't like that review but guy actually did not get pissed at me as a matter of fact he actually looked at it as an advantage like hey this guy i guess like i like his style i really want you to hear my solo album and I'm glad that he did because it's so good. He actually, okay. like, I still think he's kind of dealing with these demons, and there are some lyrics maybe that like are not super flowery and couch and all this metaphor, but maybe that's okay. So you're talking to someone who basically uh, only started even hearing lyrics, understanding them, just maybe a few years ago. And <laughs> even then, I almost don't listen to lyrics at all. If I do, it's like incidental. It's like a bonus fact. You're like, oh, cool. Oh, it's actually saying something? Okay. <laughs> well, I, I, don't, I want to prepare to blow your mind. Okay. Are you ready? It's, I think we forget this as music fans. There are some people that is like all that they care about. 
I know. I, I, and that does blow my reviewers. mind. And there's some people like me. I'm more of a music guy now. As a teenager. Yeah. Lyrics. Yeah, it was all lyrics. Well, that's, that I, makes yeah. sense because, you know, it's it's part of the angst uh, experience is yeah. hearing what someone has to say, what they've written. That's yeah. why I never, that's why I don't like Bob Dylan. Because I feel like people talk about Bob Dylan like, what are you saying? I'm like, yeah, but what are you saying? It just, the way it sounds bad, the way he's saying <laughs> what he's saying. Like, I, I'm sure he's, you like him. I just isn't, for me, I just, the. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's weird because, like, actually, um, the way people experience music now is largely that you have to listen at home and hear the lyrics there because when you go live, most you bands can't. you can't hear anything. Right. Um, uh, there's a band I'm going to play in a second that is called Soft Sailors that have found out a way to get past that with amazing uh, vocal style. But now I want to play the a Guy Blakesley. I don't want to play Entrance oh, Band. They Guy are Blakesley. good and they deserve to get played. But Guy, um, by the way, I want to do a shout out. He Not only is he so cool that he wanted me to review his music after I gave him a less than perfect uh, grade on his last album. He also is actually going to be appearing at this art event that I'm doing cool. on Thursday. Next Thursday, the 12th. I mean, uh, we may not, this may not be out by then, but either okay. way. Well, um, I'll, then I'll, I'll just pare it down. We'll put the information on the site if we get yeah, it out the yeah. time. But uh, he's doing this. We're doing this art event. It's all LA Record. It'll still be running by the time this thing right. happens, the gallery. But the, for opening night, he's going to um, do a live interview with me. We're actually awesome. having Burger TV. He's going to record it. We're going to put the print version in LA Record. It's kind of a thing we've never done before, have an uh, interview in front of an audience. Only I can do this because I'm going to nail it. But uh, I just think it's t- commendable. And I found this with a lot of great bands. A lot of bands that aren't that great and some that are really great but have kind of um, – I felt been very shallow about, um, and, I, and I hate to say that because I don't I think I'm always a perfect guy. Maybe I am mean sometimes, but sometimes right. they find something that I don't even think is a criticism and they get really pissy. Uh, really, the classy bands are the ones who hear criticism. They don't have to agree with me, mm-hmm. but they like take it in the well-intentioned manner in which I wrote it yeah. and want to befriend me. And, and in some cases, I've even said that they've learned about it, uh, learned about themselves from me. And that always makes me feel special. So yeah. I want to give him, I want to play him because he's good. But I also want to play him because he's a fucking class act. And um, whenever you play like the first track on an album, I feel like people think you haven't um, explored the album. But the first track on his album is such a killer. Like sometimes it's just yeah, the one. <laughs> sometimes side one, track one is like the one that's like you know get the audience in. This one's great. Let's let's play it right.
Okay, what was that? That was that was um that was God Blakesley. And actually the song is called um I think it's Ophelia Slowly. Forgive me, um uh, well, that's guy. the album, right? That's the album? I you know, because um, we have the whole We just talked about this thing about, about proper nouns. Um I know it's it's uh, um the new album is called it's called I think it is called Ophelia Slowly. Um you know, I'm slow. Hold on a second. It's okay. I can, Haunted City. Haunted City off Ophelia Slowly by My mistake Guy was Blakesley. that they don't know how to do titles on SoundCloud. SoundCloud should should know this, SoundCloud, that uh, a song title is in double quotes, whereas a album title or a book is would be underlined quotes? or possibly italics. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, there we go. That was amazing. That guy's from the entrance band. Yes. So maybe, yeah, yeah, and it's his first solo album in 10 years. It's tons good. All of it's good. And... Um, you know, for a guy who's going through a lot of personal demons that he's just exercised or is exercising, mm-hmm. it's a good time for a solo album. And uh, did you ever listen to David Paho's solo album? That first one he did. No. Oh, what is it called? I got really into that album. It's, who is that guy? Uh, David Paho. He was in Slint. Okay. And he played in Tortoise, I believe. But he's one of those guys who sort of has been in every a uh, bunch of really rad bands, rad uh, post rock bands. But he had one that's uh, it's similar kind of thing. It's really it's really honest, and I usually don't get into that kind of music, but I fucking loved it. There's this theory I was reading about um, bands versus right. solo artists, the Beatles being sort of a template for this, that um, that one of the reasons maybe rock and roll is so rebellious and wonderful is that it is, a, at its best, it's a collaboration. Okay. We're talking about the Velvet Underground or the Beatles or, like, all these great bands. They were often um, uh, unified, often sort of, like, self-warring Little tribes. It's it's kind of communistic, and that uh, the in record industry tries very hard to actually break up bands. Wait, so say that again. So you're saying that since they're since the bands are they're like little tribes because they're each you know it's like a little group yeah. of people. Well, that when, when this this is kind of like a theory that Devo sure. helped espouse too. When Ooh. they came along, they tried very hard not to be the Mark Mothersbaugh band right. because um, they saw what had happened in the past that people would like take um, yeah they take uh, uh, oh I have oh I have two energy domes by the way that's have, an original from uh, also that's the whole other story but it's yeah not, there's, there's not an mine. energy dome on the wall I just it's not mine that I have two I energy have two. dome had Devo hat um, aka Devo hat I have one that's like <laughs> you could order from the back of the record in the 80s and mm-hmm. I have a later one and I don't have yeah but anyway um, uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan but um, uh, I uh, so they, this theory Mark the, Mothersbaugh band as opposed to Devo. Yeah, that that um, whenever a band came out in the past, whether it be the Velvet Underground or it be um, uh, Roxy Music was a good example where they were, and I think that was the one that Devo saw right before they came big. Right. That, like they were they had Brian Eno and Brian Ferry and all these great talents, Phil, uh, Phil Manzanera. Uh, uh, they were never as good once they became more of a focal, more of a like band that did Brian Ferry stuff. Right. When they were sort of like a, a unit where every element was sort of represented, uh, uh, kind Equally of like, or something yeah. had its. Yeah, and that, and that there's a reason that bands break up. It's not just because people like to do their own thing. It's because like record companies like that too. And Why the pressures like of fame? I think it's. Um, I don't know. Well, that's part of the theory. I don't well, quite it's got to be. If a record company likes something, I'm thinking that it's got to be of monetary value, right? Yeah. Like so, why would I guess why would it be of monetary value to break up a. Maybe to yeah. There's I mean, easier to control one person than to control four. I guess so. Yeah, because um, I guess if you have someone, one person's ear, yeah. as yeah. opposed to having to deal with this group that's that doesn't need you. Maybe you also have a more consistent product. There's like less be, risk that someone is gonna um, try to fuck up the paradigm. I don't know. It's but it's an interesting theory because I do see that that seems to be true. That like every time a rebellious act comes along. Um, 
Well, you'd think, for example, that a band with talents like the Beatles would do better stuff. After, I mean, theoretically, let's we haven't heard of history. We might think that they would do better on their own because Paul McCartney is a great songwriter, and like if he just could do exactly what he wanted and hire exactly the yeah. staff he needed and have all the money in the world, he could do better than if he has to make George happy and John happy and Ringo ha- and have Ringo be the drummer. Mm-hmm. But nothing wrong with Ringo being the drummer. But like, um, but but that would be absolutely wrong. No, the Beatles at their best were far better than any of those guys separate. The I do think Ram is better than Ram is probably my favorite Ram Beatles is, album. Ram though. is pretty fucking good. It's better than some of the Beatles albums. So is McCartney too. It's better. I think it's as good as. Some... No, you take that <laughs> okay. back. I guess it's um, not. I I, but, uh... I I think that Ram is a very good album. But I actually also think that um, Revolver is stunning, and that the the work of the Beatles, the working so fast and so hard, it, it's arguable. But I think that we can all agree that Paul McCartney. Uh, the quality was sometimes suspect in a way that the Beatles weren't. I think that we can all agree that the Beatles were a band. They were a band. (laughs) They were definitely a band. Um, But the friction, maybe, I I don't think I'm alone in this. I think a lot of people appreciate the friction. And even if something like the Smiths, where I think that like, you know, that Morrissey without the Smiths is often very similar. That right. there was something about the friction of having Johnny Marr and, and Morrissey together that, that yeah, it produced some you really got, wonderful You got to have that friction. I, I People would tell me, like, about maybe they're fighting with someone making a TV show or a script. I'm like, I would say, oh, that's good. That means you both care about something enough to argue with it. So in the end, yeah, maybe it's not, not the most comfortable. You feel like it's bad, but really, that's good. Yeah. It's good to be arguing about something than it is to be just sailing along pretty, you know, just just sailing along, smooth sailing. Everything's great. Everything's great. Yeah. Next thing you know, oh, this is boring as shit because it's well, fucking yeah, def- smooth. Definitely in a, in a collaborative experience, you yeah. have someone who has a vested reason to tell you when you're wrong and when you're... And vice versa. Yeah. When you're, when you're um, Michael Jackson in the later stages of his career, there was nobody... You know that was there to, who had the authority to tell him like to stop or whatever. Oh, wasn't it? that? That's um. This is a bad example, but this like, ha- but it happens. It happens in everything. It happens yeah. with um. Okay, well, I'll, this is my personal opinion, and maybe to wholly disagree because we don't we don't talk about this. But I I you know a huge I was a huge Wes Anderson fan, but I feel like once he went to that point where every he can the syncophants are coming out of the fucking woodwork. What do you, what do you want? What do you need? We'll, we'll do it. That's when it started to suck is because yeah. it's like becomes this thing where it's not, it becomes something that's so effortless that it's uh, smooth and boring as opposed to being like this kind of, kind of a gritty thing that's been, been hacked together with, uh, with someone else as opposed yeah. to just being this, you know, whatever, whatever you want, you got it. <laughs> it's like a, yeah, limitations can often, uh, you know, oh. like uh, uh, be a great springboard for imagination and creativity. Like it's and the ultimate thing. I, I think that, like, um, yeah, uh, there was some. Uh, was it Money Python? Somebody talking about like you know, like the limitations of what props are available sometimes makes makes a bit far better oh, totally. than what, what's, what you'd intended. Yeah, um, I, I do think maybe art exists. It definitely exists outside of the artist. Art, art is. Um, Maybe sometimes only fifty percent what you intend, and this mm-hmm. other fifty percent is this unintended part where people read something else, and and that's the wonderful part too. When you have a collaboration, you get that during the creative process when mm-hmm. you're by yourself and you have a lot of money and no one and all these sycophants. Yeah, you become well, you become isolated, and isolation is a really, I mean, not isolation in a because I guess there's isolation in a good sense, but you become you're like you don't know what is real, and you don't have like a. A way to, to there's no mirror there's no like you're you're in like a, you're in space you're in like a vacuum as opposed to being in a place where 
there's like a you can hear that something comes back something bounces back to you yeah and i think that there's some there's a problem with some artists like lou reed and uh and bob dylan where they um are i don't know they, they just don't give a shit so much about what people care right that that that's great for you if you don't want to care but but do you want to make bad art i don't know if you want to make art that makes you happy I don't know. I don't. Well, I don't it goes think both read, ways, yeah. you know. It's a, Harry Nilsson is a victim of the same thing. He got, he got to that fuck off stage, and he really did a good job at saying yeah. fuck you to everybody, doing what he wanted. And and uh, I always thought it'd be great if there was a second Richard Perry produced um, Nilsson album that was made in the same way Nilsson Schmilson was. How it would probably be really good. Like I met Richard Perry at that screening for the Nilsson movie, uh, Who Is Harry Nilsson. And uh, he talks about that, you know, because he's kind of he's kind of a straight laced guy, as as much as you can be, for someone who does that job. But he was saying how, I mean, he still to this day bemoans and regrets just that that Nilsson he went off and he went off and did that those albums <laughs> that are just you know he like we had such a good thing going. I wanted to work with him again. It just didn't. He he punked out on it, and uh, who knows what would have been like. Maybe it would have been a piece of trash a piece of like corporate kind of watered down trash or it might have been something awesome I don't know and stuff but I guess it goes back to the thing where I mean most most of the stuff that's good is not being made for you're kind of like making it for yourself slash maybe well I think it's one the problem person. is that, is that um, with, with Lou Reed and Bob Dylan that they yeah. that maybe that's a problem too they, they are not really making it they're making it for themselves and almost in a gleeful way to fuck everybody else over and, really? and uh, I don't know I, I guess I just don't know why Lee Reed recorded with Metallica I'm still upset about that <laughs> well, um, I think sometimes you just get old and there's no there's no accounting for the ideas of an old man at some point, so. some, some people do their best work when they're when they're they in their seventies and eighties. But some, like, but if they do their best work in their seventies and eighties, it's because they did what they weren't doing their best work when they were younger. You know what yeah. I mean? I think you've got to have like maybe you have two honeymoon periods, but it's, it's like Stevie like, Wonder. Like he made five great albums, and they're just they're just he's not going to make. You, you you did a lot of good, man. You did a yeah. lot of good. So. To expect more is to be unreasonable. <laughs> I, I agree. To expect more of someone is to be like, I think that's just not fair to the person who's yeah. making it. But it's not to say you shouldn't shouldn't kill over I mean, and die. I think Rick, Rick Rubin's done some good stuff. Like he, he has. Johnny Cash, but all the American recordings, for, which for the most part, I will say, I'm going to stand up and say we're great. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know. You've got a good tone. He did a great 90s album with Donovan, which no one knows about, which is one of Donovan's best things he's ever done. Maybe sometimes, like, you need, maybe that's, again, that's the friction of having someone who can tell you, like, shut yeah. up and listen to me. I listen to you, and here's some notes, and uh, here's where I think you could change this, and, yeah. and, and you need me because you've done horrible albums recently. But let's, <laughs> let's, let's talk about how to revive your brand. Yeah. Um, uh, and, yeah, maybe in bands you get that. I don't know. Well, let's uh, let's play some more. That's a good idea. Let's play some more music. Some new stuff. What you got? The, um, what's, well, I want to play this. New? I want to. I'm going to talk about um, uh, uh, this other band that's relatively new. It's called Rocco Jet. Okay. And it's actually a collaboration between uh, two artists I love, Jimmy Caveza de Vaca, and um, and Nora Keys, who was in the Centimeters, and she's in Fancy Space no People. No idea. Oh, it sounds like I've heard of Fancy Space People, but I also well, the Centimeters. If you don't know them, we I almost want to play a track of them. They were a band uh, that was around in the late '90s and early 2000s in LA. Uh-huh. That might have been sort of in a way the people who uh, inherited some kind of dark, interesting punk rock energy. They were not exactly a punk band. Mm-hmm. They had about eight people in the band, all of whom have on, done their own great solo projects. The and they Centimeters? Had, yeah, Centimeters. Okay. They had two uh, dueling vocals. They had a guy 
who uh, had kind of a voice like this na- uh, named Greg. And Nora had a voice that was like, so, the, so like, like X? Uh, yeah, no? they, yes, they okay. got a similar dynamic. I'm not sure who would be Xene and who would be John Doe in this yeah. equation, but she was really trained operatically, but liked to sing really shrill and sort of a gleefully like uh-huh. assault your eardrums. And then, um, and then he had this like darker tone, and they had all these wonderful songs. Anyway, she's doing this project called Rocco Jet. And I was thinking about it because I loved it so much. And this is, I think, an example of um, me getting in trouble as a reviewer. That I did a review of their single, which we're about right. to play. And Jimmy, by the way, has the Jimmy. Uh, 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 he has his own orchestra. He's scored a lot of um, music at, at Cine Family. They'll do like oh, a silent cool. movie theater, and yeah. he'll have a band there to do that. It's such an LA-centric podcast. I feel bad for the fans in Australia. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll try to find. I'll try to find a, uh, an Australian art track in a second. Well, maybe maybe something to do in Australia. Have them, give them something that they can go out to do. You know that's relevant. Maybe too much nature, find. and else. they're they're fine. They they're go still, they're fine. I agree. They're fine. The opera house, they're good. But there's, yeah. um, but no, they're, they're they're actually wonderful. That's a damn it. I should have brought more international stuff. No, but no. Rocco Jet, Rocco Jet. I'm proud to play their music because okay. I think they need the boost. And I thought I wrote a really good review for them. But here's what happened. So I wrote this review, and basically my review was like. This guy's awesome. She's awesome. Like some people, like you know, she has that shrill voice. Some people like hate her and hate right. her voice. But I think that like this album finally proves that she could do all of these things vocally. She has a great trained voice. Mm-hmm. The review is basically like how much I love her and how these songs are sinister and wonderful. It's just a, it's just a single. Um, fast forward six months later, last last Wednesday, I'm walking into the Hyperion Tavern, and Nora happens to be the bartender there. And um, I, she, a friend, a friend of mine, Kira, who I'm also going to play today, uh, uh, we're walking and we're getting beers and Nora just glowers at me and finally just says, okay, I just have to say something. Like, you said that you fucking hate me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't even remember writing it because I wrote yeah. so many reviews. And, 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 and Sounds like high school here, yeah, man. Yeah, right? And she finally gets out like a, a trip pin or something that's trying to like write, write that I, yeah, I said the word hate because I didn't just say like some people hate her. I did say people, some people hate her. With a lot of A's. Oh. But I was that was a premise that the whole article was to knock down. It was something right. I disagree with vehemently. I love her voice and I think she's very talented. Um, all she saw was that I put in people's minds the idea that they might hate her. Oh. And she's very upset. So, Nora, this is for you. I want to apologize for ever putting the idea in people's heads that they hate you, that they should hate you. They shouldn't. I don't think I said that in the first place. But here's the proof. I want to play Rocco Jet for the world. You're awesome. Here we go. Yeah. Rocket Jets.
Jet. Yeah, it's wonderful. C O J E T. And actually, I almost wonder if they wanted it's very to be. Pretty. Yeah, it's on. Um, uh, is it Folktale Records? It's a it's a limited edition thing. You can go on Bandcamp and all these places and buy it. But you should try to get the single. It's great how you can do that now. You can get the uh, like the limited edition record is still a limited edition record, but it's always available digitally. Yeah, it's a, it's wonderful. You get the package and you think the. Someone will find a way to make a limited edition MP3 at some they point. They do actually. If you really? if you're me. And you get these. It's it's um, it's sinister. You get these like packages, and they're like, "Hey, this is the um, this is the edition for you, right. the reviewer. It's watermarked, and if we find it on the internet, we'll know it was yours, and we will give the full weight of the law to you, yeah. and, and send you to jail for sharing Guy Blake's lyrics." So in a way, it is. So I'm actually probably getting going to go to jail tonight for sharing yeah, one of these be, songs. That would, the cops would laugh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's play. Well, let's play something else. Okay. Here. I want to end with something. So like, I, I was so glad to learn this. So I was actually, I, you know, I kind of get kind of bummed. So I got bummed right. that that this person at a bar, Nora, who I love, was so upset. Right. I was upset um, that the centimeters, not the centimeters, the, the the warlocks were kind of upset with the review. They were nice, but they were like, right. I didn't find out that they actually blogged about it. Like, like you know, we thought the LA record loved us. Now we don't know anymore. 
Yeah, um, they are wonderful, but um, but it's it's happened a couple times, and I I so I was so glad when I heard about this. Kareton Oddity is this kid, Dominic. He's um. Well, this is crazy because I know him as well. Yeah. Because he does comedy occasionally. Yeah. He's a great stand-up. He has great presence. Well, he's one of those he's people. Like, like, he's also one of the kindest people. Like just very very warm, very warm yeah. guy. Yeah, I mean, he did kill my whole family, but other than okay. that, he's um. But you know, that was uh, he was in a he was in a fugue state. I think is what okay. They it. He ate a yeah, fugue state. Um, <laughs> I want to be in a fugue state, yeah. please. Um, but he uh, he uh, no, he's great. I mean, it's one of those things where like you find out he's been around the whole time. But yeah. I found out about him a couple years ago because he was at Zine Fest and he was like had this little little section of yeah a in table. the corner. Yeah, I think I was at was the exact same yeah. one. I think I saw you there and that was yeah. Yeah, and he handed me a little cassette, and I'm like, this is really cool. In and out, and like lo-fi, and all these interesting samples and weird stuff going on. And um, so I was just kind of sitting here a couple weeks ago, like, man, what is my purpose? I wrote these essays that I kept right, ripping up about like why I do what I do, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know. And, you know, sometimes the rewards are not that vast, and then the friendships you can lose or that get damaged you have to repair, it's, it's tough. Right. I think what I do is important, but it's... <sighs> I needed him to do what he did, which is that I actually asked him to do one of my literary events. I have one called A Rose and a Prose every month. And he said, I can't do it this time, but I'd love to do it next no, time. Not. He's actually going to be at my at uh, my art opening this Thursday. But he said, you know, do you know I did you in a track? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, I name checked you. Dan Collins, not DM Collins, but I'll forgive him. Um, and, and this track I'm about to play. And it was like, I don't know. It was sort of like. Out of all of these criticisms, at least somebody heard me, and, I, and I'm going to have some little bit of immortality. One right. small reward for for the the you know the suffering that I've undergone as in my chosen profession. You're laid down on some magnetic dust. Yeah, and uh, I want all those bands out there to keep doing that. Send me whiskey and put me in your songs, and uh, I will be worth this. How do people uh, closing out? How do people contact you and follow up and everything like that? Oh my God! Well, I got um, a, a blog called. It's really long. I should have picked an, an easier one, but it's, it's okay. Nuclear Rays from my oh, Halogen right. Haze. I love that one. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And then, which is a quote from a song by the Sugar Frosted Light Bulbs. And then, but no one knows that. But now everyone. Um, I'm on LA Record. You can see me there and contact me there. I have um, a uh, literary event called A Rose in a Prose with two R's, R-R-O-S-E. Got it. Which is a tribute to Rose C'est la Vie, which is Duchamp's female drag character. That's a once a month event that happens in LA. <laughs> and I have a gallery now called The Pickle Factory. So I'm doing millions of things. Surely you can find me on one of them. I also yes. my email is writerdmcollins at gmail.com. And I think that's on Twitter too, right? I'm on Twitter. I'm on, yeah, it's, it's my Twitter handle. Oh, yeah. I only do Twitter because I have to. Yeah. I have to admit, there's no joy in it, but I will tweet back and at you. And do you publish any type of like, because the people who listen to this podcast are pretty, they've become at least a lot of them pretty vociferous music fans. So, well, you should look uh, on, they, um, yes, people I, consume more music than I do. Well, I have actually have a band and hopefully we'll record. It's been in the, in the works for a long time, but I have a band called, um, people talk, mm-hmm. but I actually have a band that I've been working with right now that they're amazing. They're a duo called Cardu. Okay. Um, and they've been playing this sort of sound. It was weird. I was actually at this weird, weird night where, um, I went to an event for the Julie ruin. Uh, I don't know if you guys know who they are, but um, but uh, Kathleen Hanna, who had been in Bikini Kill yep. and in La Tigra, formed this new band, and I got a weird chance to go see them at their first full-length show ever. Mm-hmm. And it was not a normal show. It was actually at basically uh, an Urban Outfitters, <laughs> only for girls who were um, who had were fans of the mostly girls who were fans of the um, blog Rookie. Okay, that's yeah. a, that's the young mega hip uh, quotient of uh, yeah. you know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's yeah. like the 
it, it, basically it's like the um, the um, the sassy of our generation, mm -hmm. and um, they're wonderful. It was so like Except they're so internet savvy. It makes me feel like a dinosaur. <laughs> a little bit, but at the same time, like it was kind of fun going there and like all these young teenage girls with like blue hair and the cool dresses, and I'm like, oh, it makes me feel like I'm in high school again. Like how right. people were cool. They look a lot like people did in the early '90s, and um, but they, <laughs> but they, um, so like I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm influencing yeah. fashion, but um, it was just you know heartening. All these all these young people were going to go out in the world and care about things and like cool music and try to make the world a better place and right. be, be feminist and not be ashamed of it. And so this great band. And after we saw this band doing this wonderful thing at Urban Outfitters, I was like, do you want to go party with the band? And I'm mm -hmm. like, fuck yeah. So we went to Brentwood, I believe, or Bel Air. Jesus Christ. And it was like this huge mansion. I'm not sure why this band for a little thing at Urban Outfitters had this huge mansion reserved, but they were there. And I'm like hanging out with Kathleen and Hannah and just very few people. And I'm like, well, this is kind of like beyond my skill set. This is really cool people. Yeah. And really rich house, and I, I kind of end up going to the corner where these less famous people are and talking to them, and, and lo and behold, meet these great musicians, uh, 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 and uh, Marisa and Aniela, who are in this. Who basically said we're in this group, and we have uh, and I play guitar. So this is going to the this is the band. Yeah, about. I'm sorry, right. I'll wrap up. The, the reason they know the reason they're there is because that Kathleen Hanna helped with this thing called Rock Camp for Girls, okay. which is amazing, and all of my female friends it seems have helped with this. That sounds great. Yeah, so these, it's, it's what it sounds like, right? It is exactly okay. what it sounds like. And so uh, Marisa and, and uh, Aniela were were helping with uh, this project, and they knew Kathleen, they knew uh, Sarah from the Julie Ruin, and so they said we have this soundtrack band. We do music that's very soundtracky. Hmm. One of them plays a cello, one plays a guitar. But, you know, there's, it's great. always with no words. And I'm like, what a coincidence. I'm kind of a poet and a short story writer, and I've been meaning to do more projects with a backing accompaniment. Right. And, uh, and suddenly we just looked at each other and, like, sparks flew, and we're like, shit, we got to fucking do this together. Nice. And we've just started recording, and some of these are going to go up on SoundCloud very soon. Uh, I'm probably going to post a demo, like, tomorrow. Um, so I guess I do have a spoken word band now, and it's really right. amazing. It's one of the most exciting things I've done recently. Uh, and I guess if you go to any of these things I do, nuclear rays from my halogen It'll haze, all blast all, you in that all direction. Point in that direction. Um, and I could end with one of those things, but I'm not. What I want to end with is um, the creatine oddity. Great, that's Finally, awesome. Yeah. I can't. That's such a weird thing. That of all the things, is this person who I know and uh, just by chance, and that's that's so, so great. There it's are like millions of people in LA, but there are only twenty people. Only twenty people doing stuff. Exactly. Yeah. DM Collins, thank you for being You're a twist in the welcome. wind. <laughs> We'll make a sound real quick. Make a sound. Yo, hella foul spit.
spinning whatever style's big. Peep the announcement, be an Andre 3000. I know you like to think your shit don't stink, but lean a little bit closer. If you can't stand the heat, take it up with Eric's poster. I'm repping the culture, I'm supposed to. It takes balls to go for dreams that aren't guaranteed. So if you expect to win, my suggestion is you grow some. No, sir, I don't ride roller coasters or Ferris wheels. I'd rather ride rhythms and deliver my apparent skill with more heart in it than Matita Planeteer. So, more ball rappers should evacuate your second rate like Anne Hathaway trying to follow Michelle Pfeiffer playing Catwoman. But that's a sidebar. Let me keep the raps coming. Walking a five bar to Hollywood, looking mad blunted. I just got some fresh wax over at Amoeba that might make a big splash like water balloons hitting the cement. We can work out the fees, but I still want the cheese. Cause I went vegetarian, nigga. Not vegan, rocking the microphone until the crowd gets seasick. Going after what I love, like that nigga Liam Neeson. Except the difference is, what I got can't be taken. Unless you travel back in time and stop my parents from procreating. Patience is what you really need to have when you're trying to vanquish negativity from your past to create a new future while you're still in the present. I drink kombucha, take a chill pill, and feel pleasant. Cause shit can get rough and times can get desperate. Especially when you pay your bills and scraps is what you left with. On this check-to-check living, I might could be an expert. I'm a star in this reality without the TV network. For National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.